Welcome to current cinema. I almost said current gen, but it's not that old. Hold on, dude. Hold on there, dude. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's current cinema. Episode two. We made it to another episode. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I'm just they didn't cancel so us. overwhelmed. The big guys upstairs, they were like, we yeah. like what you're doing. Yeah. Keep on doing it. The second you have one unsubscribe, though, y'all are out. So yeah, our Tim goal is... Tim didn't to... Netflix us or, or HBO Max us or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Go, you're removed and all the videos are deleted. He's now. a merciful CEO for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so far. We'll <laughs> see though. We'll say this, one wrong yeah. thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> so this episode, we are going to be going over. Uh, we are going to have returning segments from the first episode. Uh, we're just going to do the regular "What did you watch?" Uh, one new movie and one I say new in quotes and one old movie and then yeah, new-ish. And then we're going to do pick five, and the topic this week is misunderstood. I'm just calling it misunderstood gems. Like, just movies that, even if they got a good critical reception, you feel that there's an overwhelming amount of misunderstanding, whether it's online or on podcasts or wherever, and across all of social media, I guess. Uh, So, yeah, starting out, though, I did want to just jump into, normally we won't really do news, but today, as of the time of this recording, the Oscar nominations did come out. Uh, so we're going to go over every, literally every single category. And t- no, I'm kidding. I <laughs> want to know who co-helped in the makeup department of a very specific category. What, what's the, who's nominated for that? Uh, let me tell you about makeup real quick. Uh, all quiet. No, I'm kidding. I'm Makeup's inter- important. Right, that's and that's a. I mean, that's, the Batman got nominated. A, that's a bad jab. Like, <laughs> Batman got nominated for it, and I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. There was some great makeup in that movie. I'm, I'm actually, that's a good. Yeah, like, there may have been an actor in that movie that I didn't even recognize. So. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> um, the only thing I really wanted to cover on this, for the sake of time, obviously, is Best Picture. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, I feel like the Oscars as a whole is a good snapshot of the year in terms of what yeah. came out. But Best Picture, especially, is like, um, at least it's a good snapshot of what the industry thought were the best movies of that year. And mm-hmm. sometimes they get it pretty dead on and this year i feel like they got almost all of them i mean obviously i would have loved to see the batman in there and stuff like that that you and i love like the northman but that had no shot of getting in there the northman uh, maybe more than batman yeah at least more practical in my mind but right you know, not a lot yeah, of cape so. movies getting up there on the final <laughs> yeah i was i'm still to this day i still don't believe that like lord of the rings was nominated i'm like Pfft. yeah and one right and it won yeah what it, like crazy one, to me all yeah. these years later i'm like a main like a, a fantasy movie you know? <laughs> like, i want to say it swept but i that might be I, inaccurate i but, think uh, the trilogy like yeah. oh so you mean swept that year yes the, yeah the I, I know it broke a record at the time yeah, but yeah. they but they kept on calling it. It wasn't just one movie; it was the trilogy. So it's kind of like, yeah, well, three movies getting more yeah, awards. They than... were awarding the trilogy basically. Yeah. By the time Return of the King came out, it was like Return of the King just got everything. And... Yeah, that makes sense. I do remember that. Which was Point great because I was on the I was on cloud nine with that series that time. Same, so same here. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. As a kid, you know, like I'm I'm in you know I'm 18 at that time I think you yeah. know, and it's just like just watching that like on TV and being like, we won, guys. The nerds won. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Yeah, that was a like great Star thing. Wars is never getting nominated for Best Picture. It's never gonna happen. It's just <laughs> not this, again. Not no, again, not again. Not, not like one, new yeah. new Star Wars. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so it's like you know you gotta you gotta take your wins where we can. You know. Yeah. Now now the industry too, like I mean insiders like people that work in the industry are like oh, freaking Star Wars man. Like I mean unless they're working on the shows yeah. movies, you know people like voters are like oh, another Star Wars movie. So I mean of course we're not gonna nominate you know like 
Yeah, right. Something right. they're sick of, kind of like I Marvel. I think there were many years that like they were maybe up for like best uh, SF, you know, special effects, and maybe it should have won. But everyone's yeah. just like, it's Star Wars. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not giving. I know. A I know it went up. Uh, like '77 was a banner year for the Academy Awards yeah. because it was like Star Wars, Rocky, Annie Hall, and like I think there was something else major that was nominated. Um, and, and it was kind of like, uh, well, what the hell would win then? Because Look at all! Look at all of those like you know uh, trailblazing titles. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to find which one. It, no, that wasn't the year of Rocky. I'm sorry. Uh, it was the year of Annie Hall though. So it was Annie Hall. It was really between Annie Hall and Star Wars, I guess. But there were some other ones that I don't recognize. Um. Because I, I mean, sorry, I don't have all the time in the world to watch all these nominated movies. Yeah, movies that came out like before um, the '80s, like. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> like, at some point, like you're just like, this is old. Yeah, this is just old. Exactly. Like we don't talk like this, you know. Like yeah. no one writes like this anymore. Yeah, like, exactly. Nothing I mean, wrong with it. It's just yeah, and it there, is what it is. It's old. Movies yeah. that are like, okay, that's like required viewing, bro, because then everybody talks about it all the time. Yeah. So I mean, outside of that, I'm talking Dude, about you like, haven't seen Casablanca. It's like, yeah, like I mean, this is when they did five five nominations. So it was Annie Hall and Star Wars, of course. But then like, yeah. there's the Goodbye Girl, Julia, and the Turning Point. Nobody talks about those movies at all. At, yeah. At any point, like in in movie whatever right. history so no i'm not gonna watch them sorry <laughs> yeah sorry. um but anyway this year's though a great crop i can't say i even I, looking at I, this even though i haven't seen all the movies even i was like oh jeff was right this was actually ended up being a pretty not only decent movie uh, year yeah. for movies but like in general uh like they i feel like they picked right but also like kind of obvious you know but yeah, like, yeah yeah exactly but it doesn't it doesn't i i you, uh, you even you said first thing this morning i'm like i don't feel like there's there was a lot of snubs this year and i was like yeah every year i have to hear from you about all the yeah. snubs and like i didn't get my paragraph my yearly paragraph i didn't get anything like that you know like you were pretty like yeah all right <laughs> so, there's only uh, one snub and i'll get to it but, but yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah and it's in a different category but like best picture as far as that goes we got all quiet on the western front that's on netflix by the way um avatar the way of water which was obvious like a shoe in as soon as it started making the millions again uh like the first one i was like well it's going to get nominated i mean uh, i plan to almost never see this movie but i totally think it belongs there because you're yeah, talking exactly. about a cultural like this is night this is 1977 star wars you know what right. i mean like yeah yeah you're bringing something no one's ever seen before in a way that like is blowing people's minds again bringing yeah. them back to a place it, that like it blew you know, my mind and i, I don't yeah really and you the, you want you went in wanting to hate it yeah. i was there leading up to those weeks yeah. you wanted to hate that movie <laughs> so like coming out the other side of it you know yeah. In a as positive as you could have been type of way was was surprising. So again, yeah. like I totally think it should be up there, and I know yeah, that for like, sure. Just for a like lot of people who are like, well, look, they put Avatar up there, so other Kate movies should be up there. I was like, yeah, but no matter how many Marvel movies they put out a year, like combined, they usually don't make as much as Avatar made alone. You know, right. like that's exactly. a cultural event where everybody on Earth went and sat their butt in a theater and saw a movie. Right. Give it a statue or a nomination yeah. for a statue. Don't give it it. Please don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I give it a nom for sure. I, I predict I predict it only come away with one win um, this year, but I could be wrong because cinematography is wide open after sure a pretty hardcore snub in that category. Um, but um, I guess we're gonna get to that one. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, 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 I'm gonna do. Uh, so I, I I should just say All Quiet on the Western Front is freaking great. Uh, that is in my top ten of the year from last year. It's like number yeah. six or seven or something. Uh, so it's definitely deserving. I'm just a little surprised. Like it, uh, the betting odds like kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. I think a week before the nominations were announced, and All Quiet just started creeping up into every category. And sure enough, they got nine nominations for this movie. Wow, like it was more than anybody expected. I, I just expected like. 
maybe international film because uh, it's German mostly and uh, and sound maybe because war movies always get best sound nominations yeah. or whatever because they got to make that shit from scratch in the studio or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it did really well and it's highly deserving. Uh, Banshees of That's the movie Shared. I really want to get to, but like it's uh, oh, man, you're three hours it. Of, of reading, so you know I have yeah. to like. Yeah. You have to walk in ready. You know? Yeah, you, you kind of do. You have to prepare yourself a little bit. I'm really excited for that movie. I've only, um, I've literally only heard good things. So, it's it's incredible. If you're gonna remake a movie, this is how you do it. Uh, so, uh, Banshees of, I guess it's not a remake. It's a, it's a, it's more of an actual, honest adaptation of the a real adaptation of the book. Yeah, right? instead of like an Americanized version of German soldiers or whatever. <laughs> what are you saying? We we mess things up when we adapt things over here? Is that what you're trying to say, Jeff? That movie won so many awards say? that year. Uh, and it's a great movie, but it was sure. just so American. Uh, but uh, the Banshees of Inishirin is also one that got like, I think it got the second most nominations behind All Quiet on the Western Front. Like they both got nine, I think. Um, highly wow. deserving. We've talked about that movie before. We freaked love it up on the current gen podcast. Mainly, we talked about that one. Yeah. Um, Elvis got a lot of love uh, across the board. That's um, yep. it's it's every year. There's a movie that the Academy is going to love more than the average viewer. Um, sure. This movie is super mids to me, but whatever. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I, just, think, I think you don't even like this director, so I think you came out like, oh, that wasn't a giant piece of shit, you know? Yeah, but like, I came out, came out going, well, the second half was extremely good. Like, so uh, for me, like, yeah. I read I read it into it going, oh, this is going to be great then, because he liked it. Because uh, <laughs> you don't like this director, and, like, yeah, I tolerate so. him. I wouldn't say that I'm a fan. I tolerate him. Yeah, Baz. Uh, and I, I came out of the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a competent film. It was fine. And I literally haven't thought about it until recently. I didn't realize, see, I didn't even know you watched it, because there's so little to say about it. Like, what am I going to say? I'm like, yeah, it's a movie about Elvis. He didn't yeah, Elvis exactly. He did aside pretty good from, at it. Aside from I'm Austin a handsome Butler, guy. I don't know. Yeah, who's, who's, who's Austin Butler, who is great and transformed for he, that role. He's great. Uh, to, to he's the point still where he can't that turn off. So he can't turn it off now. He's been Which doing is fine. So Everyone's like, oh, weird. I'm like, it happens, guys. Like, <laughs> who cares? Al, yeah. Al Pacino can drop his Scarface accent for like six months after shooting. So it's like, <laughs> right. leave, the guy, leave, leave him alone. He's a kid. Leave him alone. He's like it's 20 also not that dissimilar. I watched some earlier footage of him just talking in an interview in a, in a kind of a quiet setting. And I was like, yeah, his voice is just pitched down a little bit more. It's not that drastic to me. I, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, the movie is definitely movie, better. It'll probably win something. <laughs> yeah, mid midvis Elmid, mid whatever. Uh, yeah, it's probably gonna win like best costume or design or something like that. But uh, yeah, I definitely saw this coming. I saw this being Me a movie too. that was like, yeah, the Academy's gonna give it a bunch of freaking and nominees. It is competent. It's a competent movie. You know, certainly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have a hard on for Baz Luhrmann for sure. They uh they they, they always went all out for Moulin Rouge for sure. Yeah, they, they all they, yeah. The movie's fine. Uh, we, so, we talk, let's talk about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is the one that got the most nominations. It got 11 nominations. And um, yeah, movie's okay. Um, so moving on. I, we I, have, I don't have anything to say about this movie. I yeah, we have, nothing, we have nothing to say about this movie. Nothing profound at all. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a phenomenal movie. I mean, I feel like uh, there are too many people that are letting... The, this is just generally speaking, too. There are too many people that let like the hype or uh, other people's feelings online about a movie influence how they watch a movie. Yeah, and, and I've encountered that with a few friends where they're like, "Yeah, everything everywhere was just a little overhyped for me," and I'm like, "That's how you did you. that." But you yeah, did you that. did that to yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's. I'm sorry that you can't just blame literally everybody else. For, We've for been the, interneting a long intention. time, guys. We we should know how to navigate these waters. You know, yeah, like exactly. yeah, catch catch up. <laughs> so I'm not saying. 
you're you're wrong for not loving it as much as everybody else. That's yes. not what I mean. I'm just saying don't let that noise, even if it's yes. positive, influence well, how you. In fact, like movie. once you hear a couple people go, "Hey, it's like the best thing I've ever seen." Like stop. Like don't engage in conversation until you <laughs> right. see it. Any, you know what I mean? Because right. like, and don't take that to heart either. Just go. Oh, they really liked it. Yeah, let me go exactly. check this out. You know, like you yeah. can put up barriers, you know, to kind of yeah, make sure that you're, you gotta, or let the hype fly, but know how to reel it back in at the right yeah, moment. Exactly. Like I do, I'm exactly. excited about everything, but then like at the oh, right yeah, moment, too, I go, yeah. oh, all right, let's, yeah. let's bring this back <laughs> in real quick. Pump the brakes, pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do love that. We both love this movie. I think it was both of our number ones for the year. Um, the Fablemans yep. was nominated. This surprises nobody. It's Spielberg. Autobiographical movie. Uh, Someone told me it's a movie ass movie. Would would you it confirm is. that? Okay. Yeah, so it is a it, it not in the sense where it's a lot of movie like you know how sometimes yeah. we watch an epic like everything everywhere and it's like there's a lot of movie in that movie yeah it's not like sure, that sure, sure. this no, is no, no, literally no. Yeah. a movie about movies so it's a movie ass movie it's right a movie there. ass it's, movie yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's a spielberg ass movie at that too like, well, and like spielberg, he's spielberg like... so hard in this movie it's Does he? yeah such, okay. such great camera work and and like i such great like shadow I'm here play for it. And, I, and i like like uh, this yeah. whole thing, like the way that he grew up or whatever, really resonates me. Fascinating. With in a, in yeah, a really like somebody way, phrased it interestingly in a in a way that I didn't really consider. Where they were like, "This is about like the guy that, uh, like Spielberg, became this dude that kind of just left his family to go do this freaking outrageous thing in in Hollywood." Um, and like abandon any ideas of, I mean, eventually he had kids and stuff, but like abandon any ideas of family and stuff until, you know, he cast his wife in Temple of Dune, obviously. Uh, yeah. he, he <laughs> did that, guys. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just saying, he made sacrifices along the way, and it's just interesting to see how, like, what made those decisions come to the forefront of his brain, like why he did that. Anyway, um, it's a good movie. It's not going to, I mean, it ended up in my top 25, but like we're talking like in the 25. Uh, yeah, it's, but of like what, like four hundred really movies? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it's four hundred movies. It's still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's still pretty good. Yeah, um, Tar got nominated, and this movie is uh, this is a there's a lot of movie in this movie. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not everything everywhere epic, but it's I still think about it. I still have to okay. like I'm doing now. I still have to like stop and like go. What do I want to say about this movie? Because it's very complicated. Uh, it's it's about a composer. Who's kind of at the top of her game, Kate Blanchett, played by Kate Blanchett. She's amazing. She's probably going to win the Oscar um, if Michelle Yeoh doesn't. That's um, surprising because she always shows up and just phones it in. All I know time, she's so, so terrible yeah. in everything. Yeah, else. like it's so crazy how much she just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but like in this one in particular, you can kind of make parallels between her journey and certain like directors that fall out of the limelight and stuff. But she kind of gets caught in this whole scandal. Um, about her career and how she's carried herself. Uh, and there's an excellent, I can just share a scene with you out of context and you'll be like, holy shit, this scene's amazing. It'll make you want to watch the rest of the movie. It's a scene that happens very early on. And it's a conversation between her and a student about uh, cancel culture and how, um, how some people nowadays are intrinsically tying their identity um, to their ability to appreciate art. Like they don't, they don't know how to like, like the, the student that she was talking to in particular, I think he was like, uh, I think he called himself BIPOC. So he's like, he's multiracial and he said he was gay or something. Um, and he's like, he's basically saying, explaining in so many words that he doesn't listen to old ass music by white guys because it doesn't match with who he is as a person. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And she's kind of explaining, man, you just got to watch this diet. Let's see. Cause the dialogue is so freaking rich. You okay. can just, Oh, it's so good. And then there's like uh, there's a whole psychological element to the movie, too, that I read several articles on later after I saw it that I was like, oh, this kind of un- unravels the movie in a totally different way. Um, so I'm still thinking about it. Like it might it might be a triangle sadness situation where it just climbs up higher and higher in my rankings. Sure, um, sure. For now, it was like a 20 when I posted my list, but it's probably going to go a lot higher. But I need I probably should just rewatch it, honestly, because yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stuff happening. that You're like, what was the point of that? And you kind of have to go back and watch it and reassess it. Um, but I'll have to share that scene with you because it's extraordinary. Sure. So good. Um, it's a little bit of both categories. Like both people in the scene are right and wrong at the same time. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, Top Gun Maverick movie nobody saw. Nobody saw any of these movies. Um, yeah, yeah. Remember when everyone was talking about this movie like two months ago and then Avatar came out and everyone's like, who's a, a crap about Top Gun? Yeah. <laughs> I remember like, somebody... the most visually spectacular thing you'll see in theater all year. Top Gun. Avatar came out and they're Dude, like, that was so dumb. There was this, there were these reviewers that they they get they tend to get hyperbolic we both are guilty of being hyperbolic especially sure. when we're verbally just talking to each other about something we're excited about but when reviewers do it in in their tweets and they are professional reviewers you, you should know what you got to know that what your words carry like yeah and yeah, the yeah. fact that there was this one reviewer who i follow and i think he's actually kind of a great follow and he's got a lot of good insight in in indie movies that i tend to go whatever dude uh but he's got a lot of good insight that's my point but when his Avatar 2 uh, tweet review came out, it was like, this is one of the best movies I've seen in theaters in, like, a long time. And everybody replied back, you mean, like, since July? Since Top Gun? <laughs> everybody was like, it hasn't been yeah. that long. Yeah, I know, yeah. But that's how quick the industry moves, too. It's like, that yeah. was so a thousand years ago. Like, dude, it was two months ago. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, these are nominated in the same year in the same category. Like, breaks a little bit. Um, I watched, I rewatched Top Gun Maverick uh, two nights ago. Uh, I went to bed super late and it's it's just divine dude it's such a great movie and I'm not sitting here saying the script is amazing which did get nominated somehow um, because the script is full of those cliches from action movies that we all know I know it's insane I, the movie never stops and explains to me how a bartender in a small town that's an army town can own, like, an Audi and a boat, a yacht, you know? Like, I'm like, well, who, who does she think she is? <laughs> and her dad Anyways, was like, whatever. he's like, her dad's like an admiral that's retired now. There's no way she's living off of him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about how much military people make or whatever. But. I know. <laughs> I, did, I did love the scene, speaking of financial moments in the movie, uh, I did love the scene where she makes she's like you're gonna have to pay for a round for everybody because you had your phone on the bar afford that and he and she goes to run his credit card and he and it gets declined and i'm like thank you movie there's yeah, no freaking yeah, way he, yeah he some just guy. got fired like he just got demoted <laughs> he's going base to base just got demoted yeah <laughs> he's gonna buy a round in the whole bar like all right so anyways like we're saying it's the worst script of the year guys, yeah. you know like that's what <laughs> I'm just surprised that it got nominated for that category. Yeah, me too. Yeah, whatever it was. Uh, it's not. It's not uh, Bohemian Rhapsody getting nominated for best editing levels of bad, but like it's <laughs> it's you know it's it's questionable. I sure. love that somebody pointed this out on Twitter too before the nominations came out. It's so funny that you mentioned that because that clip got was trending again. Of course, it was yeah. of the diner. I think they're meeting at an outside diner, like a cafe. They're outside having a meeting. Yeah, with, and, uh, and there's just cut after cut Rob after Stark, cut. Yeah. And like somebody posted a quote from the editor of the movie who said, "I didn't even get to finish my cut. I had to turn in what I had because the movie needed to come out." So like he won an award and he was like confused. 
Wow. He was like, I didn't even finish the movie and I got to win an award for it. Like, wow. Yeah. He must feel like what, like fraud syndrome, big time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, that's so funny. Imposter uh, and then, syndrome. And, and really also the, the, the tweet that reshared the clip was like, I love that this is an example of bad editing that anybody, if you're a movie fan or not, can watch and go, this is bad editing. The, yeah. That's so, so I, tricky to pull I turned to somebody and they're like, they were like, that gave me a headache. I go, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It did. <laughs> How do you think I feel when I watch Baz Luhrmann movies? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing, right? It's, it's being true. frenetic. I'm having, uh, six, would, I'm having six underground that, flashbacks right now. Pretty bad. I know so. exactly. <laughs> it's incomprehensible stuff. Like ambulance does that a lot of the time too. Hey, Mark. Michael Bay, don't. Hey, stop. stop Whatever it. you're gonna do, stop it. Stop that. Let a scene breathe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what I what I gotta I gotta pay uh, some respects to Elvis for having all the Baz Luhrmann bull crap in the beginning and this very front heavy with all the fast editing mm. and then. And then, like, I think at the halfway mark, when it starts getting a little more serious and dramatic and melodramatic and sometimes in bad ways, I feel like it kind of grounds itself a little better. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. Thank you for showing restraint when you needed to, because the script demanded you to do that. Um, anyway, enough about freaking Elvis. Top Gun Maverick's fantastic. Uh, so I can't I can't wait to watch it again. Every single time I watch it now, I'm like, dude, when that when the final mission starts or the only mission in that movie starts. Yeah, it really whatever, is the only mission, right? It's, it's 45 minutes of electricity. And like, I'm saying that this was my avatar this year. I didn't yeah. even want to hear it from Jeff that this movie was good. I was like, shut up. <laughs> it's so dumb. I saw 10 minutes of that, like, you know, the tag session, like in theaters. And I literally go, that's dumb. I'm never going to see this movie. It was shot really well. Don't get me wrong. But like, I just had no, yeah. but like, boy, that movie really won me over. And, oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. up my top 10, which is crazy. Like, it's just, yeah, I, I know. Don't know. It's, it's I've, I've seen it twice. Think, can't wait to see it again. I you think know, it's like, like top five for me somewhere. Like, I think it's four or something like that. Because every time I thought about it more and more, I was just like, no, there's a spectacle element to this that deserves to be your spectacle. It's out of this world. And it's like a practical spectacle too, which is kind of a tongue twister in its own way. But it's like, they're doing this stuff in camera, which is insane yeah. it's just yeah. insane um God, that movie's so I, I have some audible gas moments in that movie like oh yeah me I too oh <laughs> i was unfortunately i was sitting next to somebody uh because i saw it in an early screen it was like a week yep. early screening but it was completely full sold out i'd never i hadn't been to a screening like that in ages where it was like from the front row to the back it was completely full an and it was a big auditorium it was not a small one um but the girl next to me i, I don't know who she was but she was doing the audible thing of like, oh, oh God, like the whole movie. And I'm like, you're ruining yeah. the tension. And the fact That's that you're great. buying it too is crazy. Cause yeah, there's, yeah. there's moments like back to back within 20 minutes of each other of identical moments of uh, Tom Cruise being in peril, like identical moments. Yeah. <laughs> and then an explosion saves them. And you're like, come on. And I'm like, this girl's like buying it the whole time. Uh, she's as, as bought <laughs> yeah. in as the first time. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Good for her, you know. I She's know. watching movies on a level you and I could never get to. So. I know exactly. It's like no, we're too we're too jaded now. It's it's too late for us. Uh, Triangle of Sadness did squeak in there, man. It got nominated for Best Picture, and I love this is the that. surprise. Yeah, this is the yeah. surprise of uh, you know the nominations for me for sure. I think um, I think guesses were that Babylon would get nominated, especially because it's a movie about old Hollywood. Um, mm -hmm. and I love that shit out of that movie, and you're not going to hear that. I need to really see that, and like the, you see, just as much bad as good. In the, exactly, the you're not going to you're not going to hear that. It's a very polarizing movie, but I it love seems it. the hell out of it. And everybody else that was in the theater with me, it wasn't a sold out showing or anything, and it was a small auditorium, but still, everybody else was like clapping and like laughing their ass off. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, super from excited. all different backgrounds. Like, I mean, there was like a like an Indian couple behind me. 
Um, you know, there's like a black couple up here or whatever, like all different backgrounds. Like they were just mm-hmm. laughing. They're at, they loved it. And I was like, see, this is what this is what people like. This is why you go see movies like this. Like, yeah, yeah. Damien Chazelle, dude, he's just on another level for me. I'm uh, here um, for and like you said, it's super debaucherous. I'm like, in. Oh, man. Yeah. There's so many, so all many. All the way foods, in on that. So many bodily foods in the first like 15 minutes. It's great. great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, might be a little too debaucherous for some people. That's probably why they're like, eh, because it's like, well, there's no way it was like that back then. I was like, you don't fucking know. You don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I bet you it was, dude. <laughs> yeah, there was no social media back then. Of course they were. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I almost promise you it was. So. <laughs> I almost promise you, yeah. Uh, so, a Triangle of Sadness, I'm super happy to see that get in there. We've already talked about it on the last podcast. We both loved it. Uh, I think the bigger surprise is the director got nominated and squeaked into the best director. Oh which is only five still a slim category yeah. yeah i feel like they should expand that to 10 because uh, actors get 10 nominations uh even if they split it up by gender total they get 10 for best actor sure. best actress and then best supporting gets 10 picture gets 10 why isn't director getting 10 it just doesn't make sense to me but okay whatever uh <laughs> but anyway they only I'm, direct the movie you know. i'm happy that triangle of sadness dude got nominated ruben osland uh osland uh because he uh that's I feel like he had the toughest job on his film. Uh, granted, he wrote his script, I think, but uh, just that juggling act of like three very distinct sections of a movie and having to tie it into each other somehow, thematically, visually, like I, it's just incredible the the work that he did on that movie. I'm super happy it's nominated. Um, and then uh, Women Talking got nominated. I think this was going to be a shoe in it as well um, for Best Picture. I had it in my guesses since. October. Like, I was like, this is going to get nominated for sure. Uh, it's a really good movie. Um, talked about it last week as well. It's kind of funny. The last two yeah, right, ones we right. talked about. Already. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think there were complaints about no female directors being nominated, and that's kind of why I say the whole, you should. I think they should expand the field. Uh, a lot of award shows already do that. Maybe not the main ones, like Golden Globes, but Critics' Choice expands it to 10. Mm-hmm. And that I mean, it just creates more opportunity, man. Um, And not only that, but, like, it's also an industry-wide issue. Like, women aren't being handed Avatar. They're not being handed Top Gun. So yeah, how can they get nominated for stuff they don't get the role, like, the job for, you know? Um, Right, right. Which is its own conversation, but, like, at the end of the day, like... You know, there's only so many people you can nominate, and it's really that's, slim. In a, in a, that's in a, another in a, yeah, in a, in a thing of five. So that's just, a, that's the thing. I've I've always called it just the curse of having to nominate five. And uh, it, and if I had to pick five, um, as well, I would struggle. It would be hard for me to fit a woman in there too. And and not that I would be like actively thinking of. Who can I fit in here to fit a quota? I need to get, range, I need but, to get three and two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was not that I would be thinking that, but uh, it's just that there are so many great movies across the board that I was like, uh, if you look at my top twenty-five, for example, I like forgot that most of them were directed by dudes. Like it's just that's yeah. like back of my mind type thing. I don't even think about it. Yeah, uh, really. It's until a two-male I privilege. Go back and listen so. to the list basically, and I'm like, oh shit. Um, I think a. Uh, a couple snubs worth noting, I guess. Uh, nope, didn't get any nominations at all. Which is Crazy. Kind of uh, it's insanity. Uh, I saw another it, like Hollywood centric <clears throat> movie, kind of like I would in, say. In some of yeah, there's some allusions so, to it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's about being filmed, right? And to some extent. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's, Having your trauma filmed and and how you deal with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that movie uh, should have gotten best sound at least because when I saw it in a theater, I was like doing this a lot. I was looking around like, who was that? But it was just the movie, like, 
the sound yeah. was so freaking incredible, man. Especially during that barn scene where it's a fake out. Uh, yeah. Spoilers on that scene, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but uh, there's some really great sound design in, in in a theatrical setting, specifically designed for a theater uh, theater setting. That like, mm. of course, it should have been nominated. And then screenplay, of course, I would have nominated it for that. I would have nominated for screenplay at least. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, Jordan Peele. Every single time, I would nominate him for screenplay. He's just yeah. Oh, we have to such put original him ideas. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not. He's going off book for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then uh, the biggest, I think the most egregious snub, I've kind of already alluded to it, was uh, cinematography. Um, I said Top Gun, like, legit filmed. I would say most of their sequences they legit filmed, like, in plane, in yeah. camera. Each actor had their own camera they had to control and stuff like that while they're, while you know, while they're pretend flying or whatever. But it's still a lot of work and it's still a lot of coordination between a cinematographer and the director. Um, and I'm sure the stunt coordinators as well. Um it's, it feels like a slap in the face because it was. It does, yeah. In the betting odds, Top Gun was number one for as long as I can remember, for months. It was number one for best cinematography. And now it's not even in the freaking category at all. So, like, who the hell's. Yeah. Whoever's going to win, I mean, it's kind of like bastardized version of the award because there's no way you're going to be as good as Top Gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I just. I what can't a wild one. It. What it a wild one. It just doesn't make sense. That's the only one that's like, what the hell? <laughs> Um, to me, at least, I'm sure there's some other people that might have other snubs that they can think of. Whatever. Um, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong, though. They're wrong. This is a, <laughs> this is the first one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with the quality of nominees that came out. Nice. Um, I'm like every year, I pretty much never watched a show live. <laughs> I pretty much just go like either to YouTube later, or I just watch like a Hulu and fast forward through bullshit. Uh, and that's it. Uh, but, um, other than that, I, I try to stick to just watching everything that's nominated because sometimes you get good stuff out of that. And yeah, sometimes you don't, but that's yeah, okay. Sometimes they'll lead you wrong, but usually, yeah. I mean, like there's a nugget in there. Mm. I would say for the most part, for the most part, for sure. It's like, oh, I'm glad I watched that, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, of every, and I'm talking about literally everything, even things that are nominated best costume. I think I only have like eight things I haven't seen. And I'm talking like movies and shorts. Because I did a lot of short film homework like mm -hmm. last year, late last year. Um, and that, I guess that paid off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like a whole group of people. It's, it's, there's a subreddit called the uh, Oscars Death Race. I don't know why they call it Death Race. You could just call it race. But it's literally just people trying to watch all the Oscar nominations as fast as they can and like get a timestamp on it basically. Uh, and now they have their own website for it, so you can like log when you, it's not letterbox. It's like you just basically hit watched, and then it like logs. Okay, you've completed ninety five percent of whatever, and like uh, okay, yeah, okay. it's uh. yeah, it's 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 kind of it's very nerdy. Um, sure, but, but they are a good resource for like where can I find this movie? I can't I can't find it anywhere. And they'll they, it's a community. They help each other find movies to watch. Uh, nice that are nominated, which is awesome. So I'm nerdy as shit when it comes to movies. Um, so yeah, we're going to move on to things we're watching. What did you watch is the segment name, I guess, that we're lazily going with. Uh, <laughs> and um, what did what did you... Did you watch something? Are you going to go with what you just watched? I watched something old and something new. So wh <laughs> which one are we doing first? Oh, let's do, uh, let's do something new. Something new? Okay, yeah. I uh, literally just got done watching last year's uh, Duel. Duel. And Duel. that's what... D-U-A-L. D-U-A-L, but it's about a D-U-E-L huh? between D-U-A-Ls. Uh -huh. so, yeah. Uh -huh. you, see it? you see what he did there? Right. Okay, anyways, yeah. Um, 
Uh, this is from the, and you, you might have to remember, remind me of the name, but the guy who did uh, uh, Art of Self-Defense a few years ago. Yeah. Which, uh, I absolutely love that movie. Love um, the shit out of that movie, dude. That was like a, I think I gave that five stars in Letterboxd. I was like, and I, I was excited to movie. sit down and watch this movie, but the second you told me, hey, this is that guy, I go, oh, I would have watched this like a year ago. If I, <laughs> if and I know I had that information at some point. It just, you know, fluttered away. But and like, I didn't bring it up because it didn't make my, like, top whatever, you know? Yeah. So I, I forgot to, you know, bring super, it up. super fun movie. You know, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this particular director has a uh, very uh, weird tone that he likes to loves, really lock into. It. Yeah. Um, and it makes it um, like uh, Gil- Karen Gillian's very robotic in this role. Very her line yeah. delivery is very weird. It might be off putting to some, uh, but it's exactly like Jesse Eisenberg's role in mm-hmm. Art of Self-Defense. It's almost like they had an acting coach. It's like, you're going to talk in this cadence just like yeah. this. In this tone, with this, you know, kind of amount of bass and yada yada. Yeah, it's she very wears, eerie. She wears the dialogue extremely well. The way that. Yeah, 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 and, and it works for her really well because she has a really yeah. good deadpan face that she's kind yeah. of wearing the entire time, and yeah, it's a really cool movie. And I guess the concept is is that like uh, there's this service that's provided to people who are about to die terminally ill, suicidal people, uh, where they can replicate their bodies into a clone. And that clone can go on living in place of you while you can, you know, uh, F yeah. off to the afterlife or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, there's a rule, though, like if something were to happen where the, the the donor, the human, you know, stays alive, you have to duel for the place to live right. as that one person. I think the movie which opens is just, with that, right? The movie yeah, the movie opens with that. And it's, it's oh. very like... They never, you never question it. It's just like, these. Are, this is how it is. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the movie doesn't dwell on it. Why it's like this, yada, yada. It doesn't go into any of that. It's like, this is how it is. And this yeah. is the movie. And I actually really enjoyed it's kinda that. Like, it's kind of like when there's a turn with Aaron Paul's character where he's like, yeah, I want to know how to dance. And I'm like, I guess this is the movie. I guess this is, his character wants to do yeah. this. Like, <laughs> so they learn how to hip hop dance. It's very, yeah, it's something. It's so uh, ridiculous. And there's a it's whole scene so where they're where, where they're doing a song yeah. to getting low, you know, uh, and it's it's silly. Um, and there's a lot of silliness in this movie. Yeah, and like I yeah. called it in my like mini letterbox review, like intentional unintentional humor. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like it's just really dry and like you know they want you to laugh at it, but like. It's almost, I don't know, it almost seems like it's unintentional humor, yeah, but it, like it's very intentional how it is, how it's, it's very set up intentional, but it's like they want people to laugh at different times. Like they want yeah. the humor to strike people differently at different times, especially like that scene in the doctor when she goes to see the doctor and she gets her uh, prognosis or whatever. And she's, yeah. and she's being told, like, you're you're terminally ill. Um, and they're like kind of debating how what the chances are of her survival and stuff like that. And that, that whole exchange is just. So effing funny to me. I Let was me like, give oh, you this... a baseball analogy. Oh, this is the movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I, okay, yeah, that... I'm here. I'm and it's here weird. Now. Yeah, it's like they're what they're talking about is uncomfortable, so it shouldn't be funny. But yeah. you're laughing because like the way that they're debating it is is insane, kind of. You know, so... and how casually they're just emotionlessly floating through the conversation yeah. about death is just so funny to me. Like it's, it's just like, unique. It's like, like an you're... inconvenience. Like yeah, like, yeah. Let's let's just get all this conversation out of the way about death and stuff and. It's really um, funny to me. It struck me as hilarious. You know, and Ka- Karen Gillian, more famous these days for Nebula from the Marvel Universe. You know, yeah. this is a much different type of role for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know. I think she knocks it out of the park or whatever. And she, Aaron, Aaron Paul's really good in this, too. I thought he yeah, was, he's great. He was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, she she really brought it, especially having to play like two people. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I know that they're a lot alike in stuff as they admit to each other, but uh, um, there's still there's still some yeah there's yeah. still some differences between them, at least ambition wise and goal wise. Some personality traits are a little different too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved I I think I told this to you. I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything, but I did have to rewind the ending. Uh, the first time I watched the movie, and by the way, I watched the movie the first time uh, liter- literally a year ago to this week because uh, it, it premiered at Sundance last year. Oh wow! And, and then it came out, and then like uh, somebody bought it, and then it came out on Hulu like in the fall or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been that long for me, it's and it's on Hulu now, so you can't yeah, go is, out and watch yeah. this movie right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a freaking long time, but for me, but uh, but yeah, so like I remember because uh, Sundance is. They just they just give you an app like here's access to an app. It's a temporary app that you have access to for just a limited amount of time that the festival is occurring. And uh, they let you fast forward, rewind and pause. There's no like you can't do that because, you know, you bought a ticket to a premiere event. You can't do they give you five. If you press play, you have five hours to finish your movie. Um, So with this one, I was just rewinding. I was like, what the hell did I miss? I thought I missed a scene and you validated that too. Like, I was like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's just some, the movie's just weird enough where like you can convince yourself, like I must've missed something here. Yeah. uh, It's exactly what you think it is. It's just, it's just an entirely, like an extremely subtle exchange that they have. And then it moves on to the next thing, which could have been hours later, days later, but uh, yeah, it's a yeah. hard cut. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly. a super hard cut. And there's actually a few of those at the end where you're like, oh, like even like the final hard cut, like just to the forest, you're like, oh, it's yeah. jarring. But like yeah. in a way, it's purposeful. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, it, it was really good, man. I just it's I really like I really like the yeah, I really like so. the vibe this guy's pumping out. You know, so yeah. um, I'm I'm a huge fan of those movies that kind of analyze what it means to really uh, I don't know to. To, with all of your being want a certain thing and then when you get that thing it's like i don't know i don't know if this was really one i wanted or whatever like i mean i just love those type of i don't know themes and stuff that might have been a little too spoilery but there's some of that in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah um uh so the movie i watched that's new it's quite literally new in a sense that i don't think anybody's even bought it at sundance but sundance is happening right now um, I got tickets to 12 movies so far. You just got back on the plane. You just flew I back. Just got, I am back. I am back from Utah or wherever the hell it is. Uh, you and, know, Sundance. Uh, Sundance. You know, Sundance, Utah. That's the name of the city, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I bought like 12 uh, online screening tickets, and then I bought five more for just the jury winners, because um, I suspect that the jury winners will be movies that are showing in person that I can't see. Yeah. Um, and I'm, ho- I'm fingers crossed for that. Cause if it's movies I've already seen, I'll be like, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, the pass I got ensures that I can watch all the shorts I want to watch as well. Um, which I may do, I don't know, but mm. it's, it's there if I want to do it. And it's a good way to pad your letterbox numbers. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there to anybody that likes throwing to do that. that. Yeah. I did it. I did it for Disney's shorts one day and I was like, yeah, yeah exactly. like 15 movies out of that. That was great. <laughs> exactly. It was like when the Groot, when Groot did his little short movie things, I was like, oh, there's six movies I can log on. Uh, even I though like I'm three about minutes. to log all these bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> They're all three minutes and I don't know how to rate them, but okay, let's put them on there. Get those diary numbers up uh, or film log, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever number it's under, I think it's log. I don't, I can't remember. Anyway, um, so uh, the movie that I wanted to bring up it was a movie I just watched as well. Uh, that's part of Sundance. It's it's Daisy Ridley's new movie. Um, it's an indie movie that she helped. Uh, I think she co-produced it actually. Um, it's based on a short film that's by the same title. It's called Sometimes I Think About Dying. 
Um, I can guarantee if anybody buys this movie, and the fact that they haven't yet might be a little telling. Uh, but if anybody buys this movie, they're totally gonna just change the title to her character name. Uh, her character name is Fran, um, and this follows. She plays a uh, social. So the synopsis says a socially awkward office worker who spends most of her time in isolation and daydreams of her own death. Uh, and then there's a new person that comes to work. Who Dude, same same girl. Who, uh, <laughs> who, there's a, then there's a new person that comes to work, and that's played by David. Merhage, Merhage, Um, If you looked him up, you'd recognize him for sure. He was—he's been in Rami. Oh, well, I guess you don't watch Rami, so. Uh, <laughs> but he is—he is a stand-up comedian. Uh, I know that much. He's like bald, has glasses, has a beard. Okay. And I think he's like Arabic or something. I—I I, I don't know. What's the last um, name? M e r h e j e. But yeah, he's like a new coworker of hers. And he's a little more outgoing and he's actually like he's funny in an undeniable way where even I'm laughing as an audience member at some of his jokes. Like mm -hmm. it's not just office funny. It's genuinely funny. Sure, sure. Um, and there are definitely characters in this movie because it's, it's a workplace dramedy of sorts um, where there are people that are work funny and, and the audience is meant to watch that and go, oh, God, this person is so cringe because they're just all about the hoorah company culture. And it's so annoying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um but with him, he's just a genuinely funny guy. So, so Daisy Ridley's character and him, they hit it off, and um, mm -hmm. only in a way really that she can hit it off with somebody being who she is. Because I view this movie as a study of an introvert, but not just of an introvert in the sense where like you go out to bars and you talk to somebody who's like, "I'm extremely introverted," and I'm like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're outside right now. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine." Uh, it's not in that sense where drunk people might say it and think it means something. It is in a genuine sense where every choice you can see her decision making process in her face when it comes to social interactions. Very she's, normally, face. she's normally like in every scene uh, almost she's normally in the background by the door where everybody else is clumped towards the center of the room. She's by the door just hanging out doing this, uh, not talking. Um, she's just not present in socially at, on any level and has no desire to be it's too much work for her um and so i admired that aspect of it like i was like give me more of these in, give me more introvert cinema let's call it that yeah. give me more of this like and like hyper introverted where it's like they can't help it and they want to socialize more but they can't like they just don't have it in them they're not built that way and man she sells it so well and there's some of there's some elements of depression in there but not Certainly not the depression that I might identify with. Uh, I don't mean to out myself, but uh, <laughs> I came out as depressed. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, but but it's like obviously everybody's depression is different. But for for me, what struck me with her character is she's more of an introvert to the point where it's like painful for her to be social mm -hmm. on any level. Um, so this so it's interesting seeing her try a relationship with this guy, and she has no idea how to describe herself to him. Like, she's asking him all the questions that you would ask somebody that you were just getting to know. And she's like, I don't know. I like to do this sometimes. And she's giving him nothing because um, it's just it's too hard for her. Um, I, I, I don't know. The movie's like a little thin, though, but I think it's deliberate because it's trying to show you how she normally lives her life and what it's like when she steps outside of what she normally lives her life. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure. So clearly she's making choices to be more sociable. And I need to feel the weight of that. So the movie that. That means the movie is thinner that way, narratively. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So it's not like something I'll say, I'll tell people to go rush out and see, but Daisy Ridley is quite good in the movie. Um, and I'm always rooting for her because I feel like Hollywood has kind of wrong, her and John Boyega, honestly, I feel like both of them kind of have a stench on them. Um, even though you and I both love Star Wars, the new trilogy, the Star Wars new trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love something in the industry them, you know? is like, the industry is not well, it, like it did the same thing to Mark Hamill, you know? you know, did the same thing to Hayden Christensen, yeah. you know, like we, yeah. there's a hit. Well, Hayden Christensen's not exactly the most talented guy in the world at that time, you know. Uh, right. So it's like it was it, maybe it's not the same for him, but like Mark Hamill, obviously pretty talented dude, got slept on for years. So I don't know if there's like some kind of Star Wars stink or whatever. It's the Madden curse, you know, it feels of Hollywood like it. cinema. It feels like it because everybody else that was already cast, everybody else was cast in the movie. Uh, John Boyega aside, he was in Attack the Block. That might have been the only thing people had seen him in before. Such a good movie. Uh, it's great. Um, but other than that, Oscar Isaac was a name, you know, like yeah, Christine, yeah. He, he Gwen Christie gonna... is a name. Like yeah. there are people that already had their career trajectory before the star wars trilogy but star these wars is two, a stop you know yeah exactly like, yeah. exactly whereas these two this was like the foundation of the new trilogy was built around them and and something about the reception even if they were received well i have a feeling that hollywood st would still be like oh they're the star I, I wars agree with that. you know yeah, like, no, no 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 like, it's the same reason why daniel radcliffe's you know? not getting picked in every single movie and i know right. it's a choice for him as well but like there's a harry potter stink there yeah. That even exist on people like uh, what's her face Hermione, uh, whatever Emma that Watson, actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's even kind of like a like well we can't you know get her. and again I think a lot of that's choice too. I think that she doesn't like to act as much these days and mm -hmm. and you know and uh, Daniel Radcliffe likes to choose yeah. his scripts I, and stuff like that. He's, but there he's, there feels like there's a stink on these like legacy right. movies and it know? makes no sense because those movies especially more than the new Star Wars trilogy were more well received. But yeah. But the industry, meaning like agents, casting directors, can't help but see them in those roles. And I feel like uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega last year. Uh, John Boyega last year had this movie called Breaking, where he holds up a bank uh, on a very slow business day, where it's just two employees or whatever, and uh, he's holding them up because uh, the VA has shorted him the money that oh, he. I really wanted sold. to see this. He is so good. He is Denzel yeah. level good in that movie. Like wow, it is. Wow. And I already saw it as like a Denzel type movie because it's kind of a John Q story a little bit. But John yeah. Q has more of an ensemble and this one's more like kind of a COVID movie a little bit where it's like yeah. two people in a bank and then him. Um, but he is like, he is so effing good in that movie. Um, oh, but wow. there just weren't a lot of eyes on it. Uh, but the point is, is that he's choosing to do an indie movie to get uh, get his feet wet with the, the, the actual like prestige roles. And I feel like this is what Daisy's doing here. Good for um, her. Especially as a producer, and they like, got money, you know. So if they're if they're putting up producer yeah. bucks or whatever, you know, like to to kind of get these uh, projects off the ground that they're like really passionate about, like that's a good right. way to get in, man. I mean, I I imagine Daniel got... Radcliffe did something similar, you know. Yeah, I yeah, I was gonna uh, go back to that. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe had to fight for his life after Harry Potter in the indie world, in the indie movie world. Where he's doing the farting zombie movie and like he's, which is yeah, depending on who you ask. The movie right? where he shows his penis with the horse or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever <laughs> that was. A, that was a play or whatever. So like he <laughs> was having to like kind of start over completely to be like, no, I'm not just a franchise yeah. actor in a franchise role. I am an actor. Like they go uh, through it, man. They just go through it. Like Natalie Portman wasn't gonna get hit by Star Wars. She had a career, like yeah. you're saying. Like these people like were people before they entered into Star right. Wars, but like. These franchise movies just suck people in like a black really hole. Do. It's really hard for them to get out of it. And it's so And that's strange. why the Stranger Things kids have it made because they chose to do a TV show. Like even yeah. though it's really popular, 
almost yeah. to the level of Star Wars, it's a TV show. So yeah. that means they can go branch out and do movie roles. Like Millie Bobby Brown's doing just fine. Uh, yeah. Mr. I've even seen Mr. Matt Finn Wolfhard's doing fine. It, yeah. yeah, I've 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 seen Galen uh, Matt Matt and Zero, whatever his last name is, something Italian. Uh, I've seen him in movie roles Not too. The theater. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in movie roles too, and I'm like, oh, you're in shit too. Like, I mean, these yeah, kids good, made, yeah, good for know? those kids. Like, yeah. uh, that's Count what I'm saying. Bunch. What I'm trying to say is Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, you should have just done TV series. Uh, so. Yeah. Right. So whenever sometimes I think about dying comes out and it's probably going to be retitled to it's a that's a wordful that's a word that's a mouthful a it's a, and it's morbid so it's a little too morbid to sell um especially if I, it's not if it if it's not as morbid as the title is because you're describing not, some funny elements and stuff yeah like that. there's it's not really like they they were really true to the title being sometimes because they don't spend like half the movie of her imagining these scenarios of her dying there actually aren't any uh explicit or gross death scenes in the movie it's just like it's just like there will be a scene of her laying in the forest somewhere and she'll be a corpse and there'll be bugs all over and that's it that's all it is it's not anything graphic you know like yeah um and it's not like suicidal thoughts so there i think a lot of people have those type of thoughts like wouldn't it be crazy if i just died right here yeah like freaking insane i think i think that's pretty normal too i mean especially when you're uh when you're somebody that i mean granted she is far more introverted than anybody i've ever seen on a movie uh but uh especially when you're that degree of like in a rut in 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 your work life professionally and socially where you're like this is it for me until i die uh of course, you're going to naturally start thinking sure. about the ways that you might die, you know. Um, yeah. It happens only a couple of times. So, I mean, it, the title might not fit entirely. They might just have to call it Fran or something like that. Um, we'll see, though, how if, if it ends up getting bastardized. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's going to it's going to be really hard for me to recommend it when it does come out. That's what I'm trying to say, because I, I don't know that it's going to be for everybody. Uh, and the and everybody might take something different away from it. It's really tough to I don't know. Mm-hmm. I still kind of have to sit with it as well. Sure. So, I, I mean, hey, it is something new that I saw, and uh, it's kind of like a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I do have way more Sundance movies to see. I'll probably just have to pick a favorite for next week for sure. Um, so, yeah, moving on to something old that we saw. Uh, Want to hit me with your old? Yeah. It could be, be a rewatch, too. It doesn't matter. I just, no, I just, I just watched it in the last couple of days, and I hadn't seen it in years. Uh, Death to Smoochie. A Danny DeVito joint. You know? I don't think I've ever seen this movie. It is fantastic. I don't think it's I fantastic. Want to say I have because I worked at Blockbuster. Like, if you just pull—I don't know how much you know about this movie. If you just pull up the IMDb right now, like, I would love to watch your reaction in your eyeballs. <laughs> You're like, wow! Like, literally everybody's in this movie. Um, but like, it is a fun dark comedy, and it is a dark comedy. And so, like, imagine the idea is is that like I didn't uh, realize DeVito when you said DeVito, I thought you meant he was in it. And he no, 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 he directed it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know he directed it. Wow. Um. Okay. So the idea is, is like think like the Wiggles. You know what I mean? Like Robin Williams plays like a solo like Wiggles actor, or whatever. All right. 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 But he gets supplanted by a new Barney like character who's played Edward by Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. yeah. And um, Edward Norton's kind of a, you know, you don't know if he's quite fake about it, but like he's he's like 
trying to be the good guy. You know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. like Robin Williams character, it's very like that Jim Carrey show that was kind of like ripping off of, uh, Oh, kidding. Uh, yeah. Kidding. Thank you. Yeah. Off of Mr. Rogers. Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Yeah. Rogers. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, yeah. Like uh, he's like a nice, wholesome guy, like on the screen, he's, you know, Mr. Robert rainbows or whatever his name is. And, uh, but like off screen, he's like a degenerate drug using like piece of shit, you know, like just yeah. like it. So like this juxtaposition of like, Robin Williams feeling like he's been supplanted by like this newcomer like Ed Norton and like their rival or whatever Mm. it's so it's zany it's weird the comedy is so it's so like up my alley Uh, again it is like a very dark comedy because it's dealing with a lot of like crime bosses and like just the you know it has a lot to say about the entertainment industry and like what does it mean to sell out what does it mean to stick to your morals do you have morals at a certain point and when you reach a certain level of stardom and stuff like that um, and there's a great scene where, like, and it's an old enough movie, I can, quote unquote, spoil it or go. Yeah, into no, a... it came out in uh, 2002, <clears throat> man. Yeah, you're good. So, uh, <laughs> like, Robin Williams, like, fake calls Ed Norton uh, as, like, a, hey, can you do me a favor? You know, I run this charity. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, it'll be standing for this. I think it'll be a real big, you know, boost to, like, how the community sees you and stuff like that. And Robin Williams, like, kind of takes him there, like, in makeup and drops him off at this place. And it's a Nazi rally. Uh, so now I've totally you know, seen that scene, yeah. <laughs> like, so now like it's all over the news that like Smoochie is you know like pro-Nazi and stuff like that and his <laughs> career's ended so it's like it gets flipped where like now he's kind of the crazy person who's trying to get revenge on Robin Williams and like the whole yeah. movie's just this back and forth of them this these two crazy I, people I'm you know. pretty sure I have seen it before but I told you about when I worked at Blockbuster and we played the Robin Williams uh, stand-up. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Like when we were closing and stuff, we just had it on repeat, especially during inventory time, which you know about inventory at GameStop. Sure, sure, yeah. That can go to like four in the morning or whatever. It can. So we would just have Robin Williams like in the background. And this was one of the things that Robin Williams uh, was a part of that my manager would put on sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, after that manager went away, we stopped doing that, unfortunately. But, uh, I, so this was definitely something in the background, but I had, you know, I was still on the it's clock. It's a good, so. it's a good walk. And like, it held up, you know, I was surprised by like, oh, this all still is pretty That's relevant to, to everything, you know? Yeah. And I think it was a slept on movie. I don't think a lot of people saw it. Was, saw yeah, it, it was, uh, it was considered a bomb and, uh, it, <clears throat> It even got like Razzies, which I hate those awards so much. But um, yeah, that's that's weird because it didn't really review well. But but the I would say that the retrospective, am I using the right word? I think the I think the way that people look at it now, I should say, is more fondly. I like to use a negative term called revisionist history, but yeah, (laughs) but no, people do come around on stuff where things get different years later and stuff like that. So it's totally real. I think the biggest example is two thousand and one, where critics were like. I don't know what the hell Blade this Runner? is. It's Blade ass. Runner was like, this is the biggest piece of shit in the entire yeah. world. And all, all these years later, we're like, we're making a sequel to the greatest sci-fi <laughs> movie ever made. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, things things come around, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie, man. I, I, I It's Robin Williams dialed up to 11, but like uh-huh. specifically rated R Robert, Robin Williams. So it's not like some him doing fun... like genie stuff, you know. Oh, like, yeah, it's some of the most fun Robin Williams roles are those roles, yeah. It's, and it's, it's just, it's so over the top and crazy. And Ed Norton, like you just like, there's something about oh, me like, I just don't trust this guy. Like, you know, that, like the character in the movie or whatever. But also, like, he's your protagonist, you know? You so could like argue uh, that his Death to Smoochie character is basically the same character as his Birdman character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, actually, yeah. That plays with similar characters. He's, yeah. like, such an asshole by the time that movie picks up, but he's, like... Yeah. He's like I love that movie. That's another movie I haven't I gone movie back and watched, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, really fun watch. If uh, it'd be super interesting if you did go back and check it out, I don't. It's not I an easy. To. It's not easy. I, I try to 
catch it on streaming. I ended up having to watch it on YouTube with like uh, ads, which was uh, yeah. Ugh. Who does that? You know, brutal. Um, just downloaded it at that point legally. Totally um, legally, though, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. legally with, <laughs> um, with permission from the studio and the Williams estate and Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, right. Just get it in writing. You know? <laughs> Mr. DeVito, hey, or whatever. <laughs> however he talks. And he he directed a funny movie, you know. So yeah. DeVito, and he's great in it. He's in it too, you know. So it's uh, everybody's in. It. John Stewart's in it, you know. It's just like it's it's That's insane. Right. John how... Stewart when he acted, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a time. There was a time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I'm, glad yeah. he found, I'm glad he found where he succeeds, though. It's uh, not that he wasn't a bad actor or anything, but clearly he's good at one thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the old movie I watched is uh, is from that long ago year of 2020. Um, that year like in movies, ago, dude. that year in movies came and went, and nobody talks about the movies that came out that year. Like, can you think about a movie that came out that year that anybody still talks about? It's no, kind of crazy. That, no one that talks about it. No. It's kind of crazy because there are tons of great movies that came out that year. One of the ones I rewatched uh, on Hulu was Palm Springs. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, dude. Good that movie grief. is so good. Yeah. Um, this Top time, 10 movie for me. Yeah, oh, for sure. That year, I think it was like six or seven or something like it that. It was up there uh, for me, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this time I set out a goal for myself of never touching my phone when I was watching it because I do struggle with that. Even with new movies that I'm watching, like when I watched that Sundance movie earlier, I was kind of texting in between the slower moments and stuff. Um, but this time I was like, no, we are watching this movie. And I caught new stuff. I caught new jo- like certain jokes that played the first few times that I saw it because this is like my fourth time seeing it. Um, uh, but it's just the last few times was just kind of like noise because pan- it was pandemic noise. Basically, it was yeah, like yeah. distracting me from anything else that was going right. on. Whereas existential time, dread. Yeah, from a movie. exactly. Whereas dread, this time yeah. I was like, that dread isn't really there as much anymore, so let's be on the movie's level. Yeah. Um, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it even more this time. It's kind of crazy. I already rated it pretty highly on Letterboxd, uh, like 4.5 out of 5 or whatever, um, just because I think the ending's a little too pretty. Like, it's a little it's too, a little like... pretty, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a clean, yeah. And it's also... It's a little too nonsensical as well, but, but the movie lives off of... Uh, the, the chemistry between Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. Like they're yeah, so, yeah. they're so effing good together. Yeah. Uh, and, and she is like, obviously we knew he's funny. Like we've seen pop star, we've seen the lonely Island stuff. We know that. Um, but her being able to keep up with him and sometimes even get more laughs. Than he's, him, he's like in many ways, like a modern day, like Adam Sandler, like that kind of yeah. reverie, you know, in the comedy yeah, yeah. scene. So it's like, yeah, she's stepping into his world in many ways, even though she's, very funny and mostly yeah, and we already, we already knew that from how i met your mother that she had charisma but like she yeah. is next level funny in the movie mm-hmm. because she has to keep up with a certain uh style of comedy that she hadn't had to do before yeah and she, yeah lonely island's very particular with ease, you know, that, with that ease kind of... she does it. she's so good in the movie um and i caught the uh the first couple times i watched it for some reason i totally ignored the grandma um i was just like oh that's weird you just kind of brush it off. But then there's a, then there's a couple times, like, I paid attention more this time, and, and mm-hmm. I caught... She only has two lines. It's played by June Squibb, who was in uh, Nebraska. I think that was, like, her most famous role. Um, but, like, she only has a couple lines, but they're pretty important lines, and she's kind of, like, alluding to the fact that she's kind of in the loop, too. And I found that to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third or fourth time I watched Like, it's, like, interesting that I'm picking this up now, finally. I'm like, yeah. oh, she's... A... And actually, there's a theory online that she is... Uh, this is kind of spoilery, but it's not... It's a theory, so it's not really true. Um, there was a theory online that she is an old version of Krista Milioti's character, but uh-huh. it would 
it would not make sense if that were true. Like, sure. Like, there's only a certain, like, yes, the movie doesn't make sense in parts. Yeah. But that's even... That's a really taking it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. that's the next level, <laughs> uh, for the movie that you're watching. So it's it's easier to to view it as she's in the loop, too, but she's content being in the loop because she doesn't have that much time left. Maybe you can view it that way. Um, and hell, maybe that'll give her her own Palm Springs spinoff, where it's her in the time loop enjoying her life. Ooh, yeah, and, gran- and gran- Granny that in choice, the Loop. <laughs> making that choice to be in the loop, you know? That'd be really fun if they made a movie like that. I do feel like there are kind of like, I don't know. There's definitely a recipe there for sequelizing it um, if they wanted to. And I'd, sure. I'd be on board with that. Um, but yeah, the humor just works so well for me. Like, even from the opening where uh, Andy Samberg is waking up for the first time and his uh, his girlfriend's there and and he's trying to have sex with her. Uh, but she walks away and she's like, you can just finish. Your, you can finish, right? You can finish yourself. And he's like trying to jerk it or whatever. And the whole time she's looking for her phone and she's just going, shit, shit, shit. And he's just, <laughs> just she's just repeatedly saying shit. And he's like, how am I supposed to? Now yeah. I can't stop picturing shit. How am I supposed to, to do this? It's such a great opening scene. It really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I love the parts that he has where he gets to like break up with his girlfriend and he's like repeating at what she's saying at her, at, like t- tonally to the like syllable, just every response she has, he's repeating because he's been through it several times. It's so funny, dude. Um, it's just one of the best time loop movies there is. It really is. Like, I mean, it's in good company with Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day for sure. Predestination. Uh, I guess it's not a loop, but. Uh, time travel movie, I guess it came. Yeah, out it's right. more like a circle, yeah. I guess. Yeah, more like a, time's <laughs> like a circle in that movie. Yeah. Flat circle, yeah. It's like <clears> a circle. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't recommend enough. Anybody that hasn't seen it, and I'm sorry if, if you I'm like the Groundhog Day element. formula and like maybe you're oh, yeah. hot if you're hot off of um, you know something of that nature and wanted more of it. That's a that's a wonderful, if not oh, one yeah. of the better stops on that list. Yeah, definitely. There was a uh, there's also a scene too where um, oh my gosh. It happens in the bar. I think it's near the end where like she leaves and he's he's on a he's in a tailspin. He's like, what do I do without her? And he goes back to the bar that he's been going to the whole movie. And he just (laughs) he just starts like throwing beers around and then he does like a shitty dance and gives him the finger and leaves. (laughs) You're like, what the hell was that? (laughs) There's like so many one-off jokes that make no sense. It's it's just my type of comedy, dude. It's so perfect. And J.K. Simmons is a perfect addition. Like, he's like a perfect foil for Andy Samberg. Yeah, yeah. Play off each other so well. And then their their whole uh, montage of partying together that first time was just brilliant. Very funny. hey, Hey, talk about chemistry. They have chemistry really good chemistry as well um yeah jacob simmons just seems like a fun guy to work with i'm not sure that i'd want to be friends with him or nothing he seems like he keeps keeps to himself but uh he seems like a fun guy to work with as an actor like he seems like he would just be willing to go there to whatever the comedic scene is uh but yeah highly enjoyable movie it's an it's a 90 minute watch to the number risk yeah as soon as you started it says 90 minutes and counts down it's like this is perfect no other movie should be longer than this like If your movie's longer than 90 minutes, you messed up. That's what I'm trying let's to get, say. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. <laughs> exactly. Let's get back to Blade Runner 2049 cuts being 90 minutes. You know, <laughs> exactly. I want to see that cut. Yeah, I mean, part one and part two. That's fine. 
<laughs> Once he arrives in Vegas, that's where it's where it stops. That's where it cuts off. It's a yeah. hard stop. Yeah, it's like it's just jarring. You're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, Harrison Ford shows kind of ends like Dune did, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Which it did just. End. You're like, whoa. And she did do the whole sequel bait. This is just the beginning. And it's, yeah, 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 yeah. You really have. I love that movie. But I love like that, that movie. That, talk so about much. talk about a movie that is just like, ooh, that left me wanting more. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I don't. Maybe not in a healthy way either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it's much like the uh, the worst kind of sequel bay. Um, damn it, I had it on tip of my tongue and I forgot it. We'll just move on. Anyway, we're gonna go to pick five now. Pick five misunderstood gems. That's how I like to phrase it. Um, actually, before no, I'll do it after. I'll do the box office after. Um, so uh, yes, uh, we're gonna do misunderstood gems and how I viewed it was yes, there are some crossover as far as underrated and underappreciated underseen movies go. There's like at least a couple crossovers. Um, but for the most part, it's for me, at least it's, uh, like things I've seen on Twitter that I vehemently disagree with or yeah. podcasters that I'm like, where did you get that take from? Did we watch the, did we watch the same movie? Like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hit me with one of yours. Um, I want to get the obvious one out of the way first, just because it's something you've I talked about too many times. I know it's something you left off your list because you probably knew I was going to put it on mine. Last Jedi. Are you guys wrong about it? What's your number five, Jeff? <laughs> Uh, no, don't elaborate a little bit. <laughs> I swear there, to God, there like, are like professional critics that I have watched uh, th- th- that are they're they're only a handful, like a small handful, because critically it's pretty beloved. Uh, if we can, yeah, say that. it is, yeah. Um, but there are a handful of critics that I follow that I like, and one of them is like quoting Kylo Ren as if that's the truth of the movie, and I'm like, no, you're quoting the villain. Like he's the villain. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. saying you're not the, supposed to take his he's, advice. He's though. saying kill the past or yeah. whatever, yeah. and that's not the truth of the movie. That's not the message of the movie. Yeah, is yeah. not kill the past. It's kind of a bit of both, really. Yeah. Um, but you have to look further than <laughs> quoting the villain to look at that. You you're, know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're taking <laughs> lessons from the bad guy. You know, like which. <laughs> It's not really how like Arthurian type of movie <laughs> template movies like this like go like you're 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 on the good guy journey here you know right. like, that's the whole point but you know uh, yeah I mean there's obviously a lot of things that people thought about this movie in mm-hmm. terms of uh, you know Luke's arc and stuff like that which is just wrong about like that's a real arc like someone like on a search for power getting power and then just wanting more and more power and more and more but that's a villain's arc. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, like exactly. At some point, you have to, especially when you're talking about the teachings of the Jedi and stuff like that, being a pacifist, peacekeeping tribe of cultists or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like that. That's the message of the movie is yeah. that, you know, by the end of it, when he, spoiler alert, dies at the end, you know, he gives himself away to the force, putting up a fight in a pacifist way. He wasn't even there. You know what I mean? He actually projected there and used... Yeah symbolism you know he used he used himself as a symbol to martyr himself you know uh, to to ignite the spark of of the rebellion in this new galaxy and like i think that people look at that and go well he was grumpy when we saw him he threw the light table when we saw him you know yada yada or whatever uh these are you know if you want to talk about a george lucas quote about oh everything you know it, it's rhymes it's you know it, it's a poem it rhymes and stuff like that that we're still doing that you know like you're talking about watching obi-wan um, not be able to fulfill his destiny and he goes into hiding and so does Yoda, you know, so does every Yoda, Jedi that we meet yeah. along this entire journey, you know, Luke, they all... Luke is literally Yoda in the movie and people yeah, just he's to liter- he is Yoda the Yoda. Was... He's, he's Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of 
mashed up together. Yoda you know, was it, a crazy old man, like old he was, and he was species. goofy. And I think he yeah. kind of took those teachings from Yoda to kind of like yeah. you know because he was very goofy, like when he's like tickling her with like the that's the yeah. force, you know. It's and yeah. by the way, comedy is really funny in this movie. I think the comedy. I agree. Really uh, movie. Ryan Johnson humor always tickles me quite um, early. I guess I'm thinking you know, it's it, I just you know <laughs> people take the wrong mess about the Canto bite thing. You know, the movie stops to tell you, hey, like everyone's profiting off of these wars, and like this is just this is what that looks like. Hey, that's happening in your world that you're living in right now. So sorry it took a stop in like uh, yeah. real message territory, but we went there. And, and, uh, then, you know. and then people losing the thread of why the Finn storyline is so necessary for the theme of the movie. Like mm-hmm. the movie is about uh, grace in the face of failure, right? And how yeah. to take lessons from that. And, so, that, like, and, and to the rebellion, to that was the their last chance. Whatever, whatever. Fail epically for exactly. them to. And, and whatever Finn, that, yeah. that mission that Finn is on, that is in in the face of the rebellion or, or, or the resistance, that is their last chance. So watching the last chance fail, like that's supposed to be the final thread on the coffin of just like, then they double down when no one shows up when they put out that, you know, SOS call or whatever, you know, right. uh, and then and then the whole idea of flipping that on its head by like reversing it into a theme of hope or whatever with Luke and everything. Like oh, it just, yeah. there's a lot going on in that movie. And I think people were just like, oh, I didn't see Luke destroying, you know, Star Destroyers with the Force. Yeah. It's like, dude, you were never going to get that. Or, or they could never going to happen. Shit, uh, <laughs> like something I hear a lot in, in real life with people I talk to in person is still uh, Leia doing the whole floating through space thing. They cling to that or they cling yeah. to uh, the guy um, on the salt planet. Wiping the ground and going salt, and I'm like, salt. why is that your one hang-up with this? I don't it's know. It's like that, you don't, don't have anything real to say about this movie. The thing with the Leia <laughs> thing is that like that's happened to like 17 other Jedi and all of the cartoons, and that's a made-up number. It's like three Jedi, but like it's happened three times. The fact literally that it's happened before in Star Wars. Multiple yeah. times, yeah, where yeah. it's just like, how are they surviving in space? You're like, it doesn't matter. It's fantasy. I and mean, that's what you're watching, by the way, is fantasy. <laughs> exactly. It's not sci-fi. It's, fantasy, like, yeah. it's, it's about start, magic and like, swords, guys. It's fantasy. <laughs> when people start throwing fit laws of physics at you about Star Wars, I'm like, I can't have... Okay, well, describe me what a proton work. torpedo is there, dork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a oh, made-up really? thing. It's made up. <laughs> how does that work? Can you tell me the elements of a kyber crystal? Can you tell yeah, me? Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Where on the periodic table does the kyber yeah, exactly. crystal exist? You know, like, <laughs> shut up. You're a dork. And then you're talking to the big Star Wars fan. So it's like, you're a dork. <laughs> I think I'll go watch Doctor Who where they really explain everything in dumb ways. How about that? <laughs> kind of do. They kind of do. But dumb ways that make you feel smart. That's the difference. Kind yeah, of. They said uh, timely, wimely, and I get that. You know, It's kind of Shut funny up. that this is our second episode, yet it's, uh, you got to keep this up with the Star Wars shirts, because I think the first episode you wore a Star Wars shirt. So well. the thing is, is uh, for current gen, I try and wear video game shirts. And so this, uh, I wanted to wear all movie shirts. I mean, I only have Star Wars shirts, but I don't, I don't have like Scarface shirts or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like. I'm gonna run. Out of, I'm gonna run out of Star I gotta, Wars shirts at some point. You're making me realize I gotta buy more movie shirts. I don't have. I don't have any. Uh, I'm gonna buy more. Yeah, I'm just I, have, like, I, have, I have some sitting I'm just in my like, Is this solid colored? Nailed it. Like I'm yeah, just. I got like, it. Yeah, it's gonna have stain on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, the movie I picked, I'll just get it out of the way because it might be one of yours too. This this was number one on my underrated, underappreciated list. Uh, it's only God forgives. Um, that is on mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I don't remember if this was your number one as well when we recorded that episode years ago. It was. It was up. I thought it was up there because like yeah. we really nailed home on the the idea that like everybody at Cannes like booed. Classically, it's the most infamous story from yeah. Cannes. Like people like booed like in a vicious way <laughs> during yeah. the ending of this movie. The boo heard around dicks. the world, yeah. if you will. That's that's it. French people are dicks. That's what it is. Um. um <laughs> 
<laughs> now you and I have, have gone on record, maybe not on this podcast, maybe so when we talked about, uh, I think we talked a little bit about uh, his uh, Nicholas Whining Reffin's most recent show. But like, you either like this guy or you don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like, you're not like, this is not a show you just pitch to anybody. Hey, oh, you like movies? Well, you should watch Only God Forgives. You know, like, no, like, it's a very particular type of movie for a very particular type of people. I don't know what kind of people that is. Apparently, I'm one of them. Uh, because yeah, the same. weirdness, the slow pacing, the lingering of all the shots and everything like that. I mean, like, that's the stuff that he's still doing that really stands out to me about that movie. Um, I don't know. What 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 it made you think about putting it on this list all these years later? Have you have you watched it since I then? I still feel people are, I guess this is more overlooked than misunderstood, but people are overlooking to the point that they're not even going to try to understand it. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of work that you could do. Uh, I mean, there's video essays about every movie out there imaginable, but there are plenty about this one, about the uh, the allegorical nature of the story and how it relates to religion and stuff. Because the guy who's like the main antagonist kind of views himself as an angel, right? Like an angel of death. Yeah. So right. like there's a whole allegory thing going on in the movie that people just won't don't want to bother to look into because it's too slow. Not enough happens. Well, there's a lot of mythological stories you know? going on because there's like an Oedipus story going on because yeah, like, yeah, him yeah, and his mother his and everything. Yeah. Like it's like there's there's a lot of myth- mythological kind of storytelling going true, on here, or true. at least you're taking themes from that. Uh, you I'm know. with you on Reffin though. Like it's kind of like he's either your cup of tea or he's not. And sure, which Drive I get was, it, man. Like Drive I get it. People like, dude, movie. I need his stuff that, but like, yeah. But like his movies that tend to be, or his shows as well, tend to be just more like visual paintings, and you kind of have to be patient and he, admire he the king the of art letting a scene you. breathe. You know, like yeah. he's got the opposite, if you want to call it problem, that Michael Bay has. You know, where it's yeah. he's like, we got to cut this scene up. He's like, no, we got to let this scene go for twenty minutes. <laughs> right. It's just like it's like a girl with short hair sitting in a room with neons behind yeah. her. It's slowly zooming in. Twenty yeah. minutes. Mm, no talking at all just you know? a badass soundtrack yeah a really cool soundtrack that's like yeah yeah kojima standing off in the distance yeah. for some reason yeah yeah <laughs> they actually i saw something in here that um apparently drive was shot this way too they filmed it chronologically mostly and they edited scenes on the day they were shot which is kind of crazy oh. um i don't think a lot of people do that uh in real time like i mean that's as close as real time as you can get normally you film it all and then you go edit but sure. instead he's like all right we filmed today's so let's edit that and I'm, oh, wow that's kind of ballsy actually that's, um that's pretty weird yeah but yeah i love that gosling like i mean i love that gosling took this role at all i feel like he wouldn't at this point in his career uh yeah yeah they got him at the like right a bigger swing this. than Drive for sure. Uh, well, Drive is like it's Nicholas Winding Refn light. Like everything that he does in all of his other movies, he's like, I kind of did that in Drive, and like Drive is still a lot for people. Even when I first saw Drive, I'm like, why are these characters staring at each other before they explain something? <laughs> like even like because like you're not initiated yet to like what's going yeah. on. You splash in some neons and some cool tech metal or whatever. Right. You know, it really bought me in. But like even in Drive, there was something kind of off putting or weird. You with know, with Drive, uh, Refn actually removed dialogue from this because it wasn't his script, so he removed dialogue to make it more still during those yeah. type of scenes. So well, if you're wondering why aren't they talking, it's like well they probably should have been talking in the script, but he removed the words. Well, that's his <laughs> minimalist way of storytelling. Plays, He's just you know? that's that's yeah. the way that he does it. Everything yeah. everything is right there on on the screen, and usually the character is wearing the face of whatever they're feeling. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. you know what's going on in every scene without like there having to be any talking. Even in Only God Forgives, which a lot of people would claim that's kind of obtuse and 
and um, yeah. uh, you know, not direct or whatever, which they might be that's, right in some ways, but there is a some path, of the, you know. Some of the misunderstanding comes from that too, because yeah, they're just not even bothering to try to understand. They're just like, ah, oh, slow and boring. Yeah, and yeah, okay, next, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's only it's, one fight scene in the whole movie, you know. Shut up, Kanye. And know, I know he's not, a boxer. It's not an action yes, movie, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It was never really pitched as one. I don't think it was. Um, yeah, so what's cool, a kind of dive into like triads and stuff like that too? You know. I oh, I totally agree. That was I love the that's his first real dive into like a criminal underworld that feels he's a little more tangible. Um, very more, very still inaccessible. That, like yeah. because I think he did a, ser- a Danish series called Pusher, and it was like a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just criminal underworld in in Denmark or whatever. Like it was just that. That's all it was about. But I didn't watch any of those because that was before Drive. So. Yeah. I didn't see him. Yeah, I watched yeah. Valhalla Rising with Mads, but I didn't, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I saw that one too. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. Um, it was okay. Yeah. yeah, he hadn't hit. He hadn't hit prime. Not a lot of style. Like, there's some style in that movie, but not For the sure. one that. Not For the sure. one that we. Not the one that we're used to now. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's another one of yours? I think another obvious one for you and me. It might be on yours. I don't really know. Matrix Resurrections. Oh my god! Yes, it's one of mine. Yes, absolutely. Let's just get it out of the way. Then. Yeah, I love. Uh, I love that we have hey, so many in common. You guys. You're wrong about this one. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, you know, again, this is another one where if you show up to this movie and you're expecting a certain type of movie, um, I can see how a person comes out the other side going, well, that's not what I wanted at all. And that's a totally fair take. However, if you just settle in and just kind of let the movie wash over you or whatever, there is a lot going on in this movie in terms of just uh, just conversation about, like, sequel and reboot culture and just like uh, the fascination with this ringing out nostalgia until it's completely mm-hmm. dead and, and 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 nothing to anybody you know maybe a little too on the nose for some people uh but maybe i so. think but i don't know how else you're gonna do it you know what i mean like yeah. i think i think lana really had a message she wanted to send to yeah. everybody message received you know um and uh there's some still some cool like world building for it being a sequel in this movie too, if you stop to I agree. it as like a weird, you know, Matrix real real world movie. There's just a lot going on there post war and stuff like that after the third movie. Well, because it um, had been so many years had passed uh, in real world, seventy like uh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so like it was while, yeah. being an old lady and stuff like that, and what yeah. happened and, to to- and totally believable old lady makeup. Totally oh yeah, <laughs> I actually I actually uh, didn't have a problem with it as much. as Everybody had a problem with that for whatever yeah. reason, but uh, I just it, she looked like she was uh, in makeup to me. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't call it bad or good. You know, just right. like, I was like, yeah, she's an old person makeup. It's like y'all watch y'all watch Back <laughs> to the Future and you're cool with the Biff makeup, right? I'm just making sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the sure. '80s or whatever, but I'm just saying the, the makeup yeah. looks a little similar and it yeah. plays yeah. it plays just as well to me. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you on all the messages that it that it. That it iterates, sure, it might be on the nose and some of the dialogue about like reboot culture and stuff like that, and how, yeah, um, how how hollow like ideas are that come out of these people's mouths, like they're yeah. just regurgitating things people have already done before. Buzzwords and you know, yeah. uh, cool, you know, cool, cool, cool guy talk and all right. that stuff, you know. So it's it's just, almost uh, like they put some of their brainstorming sessions in the right from the writers' room into the movie to be like to tell the audience we're not doing that in this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you know, we're we're doing something totally different and. I mean, I loved what they put into it. So I, I mean, did too. I remember yeah. like you, some stuff either got leaked for you or you looked into it a little bit before the movie came out and you're like, this is a big swing movie, man. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to find out, I guess, you know, and it was a very big swing. Uh, yeah. You know, it would have been, it would have been easy to 
just make it another Hong Kong action flick. You know what I mean? Like right. it would have been easy to do that. And I don't think people would have liked that e- either way. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that like people would have been like, well, that was just well, pretty samey. It just kind of felt. Yeah, yeah I, I th- exactly. It felt copy and paste. It felt uninspired, yada, yada or whatever. But instead, she took this really big swing and like it was not the movie anybody on Earth thought it was going to be. And that's pretty brilliant because when you watch yeah. the trailers, like you think you're signing up for a movie where the intriguing part is like, why is Neo back and yada yada? And like, it, it just looks like a matrix sequel or whatever, but really it ends up being kind of like a half satirical half, you know, like a uh, sequel type of like experience. And uh, right. I've never seen anything like it. I think it was, it was a totally unique experience. And to all the people who still to this day, like look back at it, I, I made like my top 10 list and that was my number one movie of the year. Everyone can suck it. Um, uh, people were like, really? You're number one. I can never take your advice for like movies ever again. I'm like, good. Please. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I super don't care. Yeah, like I, my again, yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm super happy to not have you around, you know, if, if, if yeah. me liking a movie, uh, ruins your day so I bad. But, it was, uh, uh, it was definitely in my 10 as well, but that was like, a. Pretty good. It was pretty. It was a big year. year. I chose it over yeah. Dune, and a lot of it's like there's some big fuck you energy going on with me. Putting oh yeah, for so. sure. That that definitely weighed into me uh, putting it as high as I did for sure as well. Uh, yeah, Dune I had higher. Uh, Dune is Tita- just a better. Titane I had yeah, higher, which is that French movie about a girl who fucks a car. Yep. I love that movie so That's much. Wild, <laughs> uh, Riders of Justice is higher. Um, I love. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah is higher. Um, but like uh, that yeah. yeah, that movie is very Scorsese. I love it. Um, but yeah, I did have it in my ten because it was just like. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was undeniable because I, in the fact that people were so like adamantly already against it within the yep. first twenty four hours of seeing it on HBO Max, just broke my heart all over again. Just like the other sequels, I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna be like one of the well, only that's the ones." Other thing. It, defending it was this like, movie now it was it was Again. like this it was this weird thing where it was like suddenly this movie came out and all of a sudden it's like well i wish it was more like the sequels so i'm like the movie y'all bitched about for the last 20 years yeah like those movies <laughs> like i've never met anybody who's y'all like those movies except lane, for you man. which is why we started a podcast you know? pick a lane Jeez. yeah like it's just like people are just so all over it's the same thing with like star wars where it's like well yeah. i just wish they were more like the prequels i'm like you mean the movies everyone crapped like yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I know this, this whole suddenly like, we like all love the prequels. You know like they're you, way better than the sequels. <laughs> that's more definitively revisionist history, right there. Yes, is yeah, yeah, that's whole, a really good example of it. Yeah, it's like no, dude, I was there for all of that prequel talk. Dude, man. I was there, I, man. You know, yeah. I was a kid, and maybe other kids enjoyed it. Like I had peers that were enjoying it, but dude, I remember just people two or three years older. Oh yeah, like this is the biggest piece of shit in the entire world. Like I, yeah. I, I remember, I lived it. I, I, was, I remember there. that. And now when I hear the phrase, I think we should really think about how we assess the prequels. Uh, I'm like, you are such a pretender. You hated them too, like everybody else did. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. I want George um, back. I'm like, you bullied him. You bullied him (laughs) out out of the franchise, guys. I I was there. (laughs) Oh, the the old movie I wanted to pick. Uh, This is from 1960s. I don't remember what the exact year, but uh, A Clockwork Orange is what I went with. Um, Oh, sure. Yeah. There's actually like. The OG misunderstood flick. I feel like it is. I feel like uh, there are some takes that I've heard on podcasts and stuff that were kind of like, I don't think you watched a movie or maybe just the message that it was trying to convey was just buried too deep behind all the violent images and stuff. And you weren't willing to look past that, which I I can kind of get that. There's some t- traumatizing scenes in there, especially for a 60s movie. Um, but there are some people that are just like, uh, it's just violent and, and you know, like uh, there's just sexual assault just for the glorification of it. 
And I'm like, I don't think you're understanding. This is literally misunderstanding to me. Yeah, no, no, no. It literally is. Because I I feel the message is pretty obvious, you know. Uh, Not that, like, he doesn't, like, you know, nuance his way through that movie or whatever. But, like, you are definitely taking the wrong message. You come up the other side being like, oh, that was just gratuitous for the sake of it. I'm like, wow, that was right over your head. Like, you. (laughs) I feel like the movie was uh, the tone of the movie. I think confuses people in the beginning because it's it's like it's it's like the movie is celebrating Alex's uh, crimes mm-hmm. uh, and his numerous sexual assaults and his his threesomes and his murders, um, but really it's Alex celebrating it and we're in his world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the yeah, the yeah, yeah. music is mirroring how he feels about what he's doing, um, and I don't think it's it's Kubrick trying to tell you you should feel great about what he's doing right here. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think it, in fact, I think he wants us to be repulsed by how he's conveying the violence. In the sure. Sure. Um, so when the shoot does drop and he is forced into having his free will, free will Sasso removed. Or free will Sasso. <laughs> will, free will Sasso. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when he's having his free will removed from all those exercises, um, that you're supposed to kind of, you're supposed to like almost forget that that shit happened, all the mm-hmm. bad shit he did happen, and then you start to pity the guy. Like he's <clears throat> he goes back home and his stepdad is just a dick to him, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess it's just his mom's boyfriend or whatever, just a complete dick to him, and he can't even stand up for himself to the guy. Yeah, he can't be yeah, like, exactly. Can you please cut me some slack because he gets nauseous and repelled by the idea of it. Like so. Really, it's more of a conversation about free will than anything else, and it wants the movie does want you to feel grossed out by everything that happens in the first yeah, part. Yeah, well, there's a whiplash so you still grossed out, yeah, by what happens to him in the second part. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not it's not black and white. And people that want to view movies through, like, a black and white lens. No. I mean, movies that were created to create, like, a nuanced and layered uh, right. discussion yeah. or point or idea of a specific yeah. subject or exploration of an idea, you know? And it's yeah. just... Uh, yeah, leave some room to think about it, guys. You know, like right. there's always there's always some wiggle room there to, to bring just, in your own interpretation. They just you know, see something it. like the visuals of something that, I mean, it is disgusting. Like you're irrefutably, if you have a set of morals, you're going to be repulsed by what you see. But like, yeah, you have to. I think that's the ride just, that you're on, I feel though, like because when you just, do feel sorry for him by the end of that movie, like yeah. you start going like, oh, I'm feeling sorry for this like maniac, yeah. you know, like, like you're, it, again, you another yourself, layer like, of feeling gross. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, another layer of you questioning your morality and stuff yeah. like that. And like, dude, he just took you on an emotionally manipulative ride, you know, yeah. and like, that's what you're here for, baby. Right. You're here to watch a movie. And that's like. That's a prime example of going on a ride, but some people are, I guess, are resistant to the ride in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Because it is so uh, repulsive. For for some people, at least. But but the people that did voice it, even though it was like a handful of people on like podcasts I listened to, they were very like adamant about their stance to to the point where I was like, I don't even think you stopped to ask yourself why you were seeing seeing the movie because you have to ask yourself why to get to the root of what the movie's trying to tell you. Um. Anyway, that's that's my old one. Um. Hit me with one of yours, another one of yours. Uh, my oldest one, to keep with the uh, theme that you started here, and it's Jeez. not very old. Uh, this was on my underrated gems list that we keep on referring back to. It's Last Samurai. Very misunderstood. Very misunderstood movie. Yeah, the white savior who uh, saved nobody. It, it's yes. a pretty easy to just go, are you talking about that Tom Cruise movie where he saves Japan, you know, or whatever? And it's like, yeah. 
I mean, that's the movie I'm talking about, but no, that's not what that movie's about, you know? <laughs> but it's super easy to, when you're yeah. watching the trailers for that movie or, or looking back on it, or maybe, or maybe you've never heard of it and you see it in your, your, your local video store, which totally still exists, and you see that cover and it's Tom Cruise standing like with samurai arm and you're like, what the fuck is this? Especially yes, with the like title rendered underneath and it says yeah, the last the samurai. Last samurai. Like, you're so like, get out of here then? with that, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there, there is a... Um, an immediate barrier there for a lot of people. And then when yeah. people end up watching it, yeah, I mean, it's a well-shot movie and Hans Zimmer kind of knocks out the score or whatever, whatever. Yeah, uh, but like we, people watch that and like still take away the wrong message at the end of it because like the real movie is about like Katsumoto, the guy that they're trying to like disassemble, you know, so like Western civilization can like thrive in Japan or whatever. And so like, you know, and you are getting to witness this story through the vessel uh, which is Tom Cruise, you know, yeah. which uh, being able to take it. I think there's some really interesting ideas of like taking him from a time in America where we were dealing with our own quote unquote misunderstood savages or whatever. Uh, and I use that term in parallel to like how the Japanese looked at the samurai when they were trying to westernize like all these savages. But really, you're talking about two misunderstood cultures on two sides, of the, two different sides of the world who are both misunderstood in similar ways because they're both really complex, really nurturing yeah. cultures, you know, that... Uh, that uh, got painted as villains and everything like that. And the and movie think, explores uh, that, you know? The and I movie think the movie, like, Tom Cruise specifically, his character starting out is, is, uh, and I know people kind of tire of the white guilt stories, but he's drinking himself to death because he yeah. hates what he's being asked to do by his military. Like, this is not the way that he wanted to serve his country by just yeah. mutilating, yeah, uh, slaughtering, yeah, like, horrible communities stuff, yeah. of people that live there first, you know? Like, it's not the way he wanted to do it. Um, so I know people are tired of the white guilt thing, but I mean, well, it is... And, and the, and the it parallels... Should, it should be explored in, to and some And the parallels extent, between so. the Native Americans and the, and the samurai are, like... It, and the movie explores these, these parallels very deeply, I would even say, yeah. in a way that most people don't show up to appreciate, you know? Because they're just yeah. like, oh, Tom Cruise, am I right? They can't literally yeah. get beyond that, you know? It's the, dan it's the Dances with Wolves effect, too. <clears throat> but, like, like just, they're just like... like it's a yeah, white I'm, savior, and you're like, oh yeah, and, and that's the other thing. No, everybody dies the wolves, at the end of that you know? movie. What are you talking about? It's the bro? same template, you know. I'm so tired of that template or whatever. <laughs> oh, you know, a white guy goes to live with native people and he falls in love with them or whatever. Oh, you know, like, yeah, that's the format. That's the that's the <laughs> yeah. blueprint of like the core story. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff going on in there. And again, like just like the Native Americans, their world were like a light switch got turned like, oh, we showed up and we just changed everything. You know, it's the same thing for the samurai, you know, like a light switch. Western civilization just kind of took over and or the idea, the philosophies of Western civilization that the government was trying to impose. Mm -hmm. It changed everything like a light switch to them. And so like yeah. all these parallels that the movie draws are, are really deep and really interesting. And outside of that, really great, great camera work, really great choreography when all the action picks up and stuff like that cinematically just a wonderful movie great so story, like we were talking about um and like you just need to like i'm almost wondering if any other person was hired for that movie besides you know uh it could have been another white guy but because it was tom cruise <laughs> right like i wonder if like that was like the issue where like yeah. tom cruise i mean we're still in kind of like tom cruise's world where he's like the biggest actor in the entire world or whatever biggest blockbuster actor i mean people so, there are some people that are like <clears throat> really mad that he didn't get nominated for Top Gun. And he's great in Top Gun Maverick. He's great, uh, but not Especially in, in that scene I'm... with uh, Val Kilmer and stuff. But, like, 
Yeah, that scene is pretty good. Yeah. But like, uh, guys, guys, we already Come know on. he's great. Look at the box office numbers. We're good. Yeah. Also, people you put know? in some real performances this year too. Yeah. That are like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he he was in a goofy movie about the Air Force, you know, <laughs> or the Navy. You know, like I think we can, I think yeah. we can chill out a little bit on that. But uh, he, he is great in that movie though, and he's great, guys. He's great. That's why he's been around for so long. Yeah, he yeah. believes in some crazy science, you know, Scientology mumbo jumbo. But like, he's a good actor, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there's a charisma I towards think, him. I think that's definitely why he ramped up his his stunts, uh, his performing his own stunts, is because people just started associating him more and more with the crazy side of Scientology, uh, which yeah. does exist because it is very culty and yeah. their beliefs are freaking nonsense. So he's like, all right, well, to distract him from this institution that I am so deeply a part of i'm never I'm gonna, gonna be a part of i'll just it, jump yeah, off a cliff real quick you know like i'll just, I'll I, just I think it's a great pivot you know i think it's a great pivot because that's what yeah. we talk about now it's like i heard yeah. he broke his arm on that on that motorcycle <laughs> right. stunt you know <laughs> i heard he's um, going to space in six months. you know he's six, to... you know he's 60 and going to space yeah. you know yeah it's just like stuff he like really that. doesn't want us to talk about xenu or something like yeah right right um it's just kind of working so good for him I, I'm um, with you on Last Samurai. It was in my list too when we did that on our podcast years ago. Uh, it was in my list on the under underrated for sure. It's a great, it's a great movie. Great play. Um, and okay, so now we're back to modern world, I guess. Um, my next one is going to be 2017's It Comes at Night. Um, yes. Boy, did people misunderstand the shit out of this movie. Boy. Um, what a ride. I don't remember if. I don't think we saw this together, right? You weren't. No, here. no, no. You can't. You saw it first, and you were like, "You have got to see this movie." And I'm oh, like, okay. okay, yeah. And like, it was one of those ones where I watched it. and I was like, "Dude, <laughs> yes." Uh, and I think uh, I can't believe I still, it came at night, right? You know? I, I still see on Reddit occasionally because I still, you know, I guess I'm a sadist or whatever. I still like to look at Reddit and see what the comments are saying. And there are some people that will uh, answer a thread where the question is, "What is the what is the worst marketed movie ever, whatever? And one of the top comments will always be "It Comes at Night," and I'm like, I'm "Like, guys, the marketing was a part of the theme of the movie." Yeah, you, you were, you started watching that movie the moment the marketing started, right? Very Kojima in that way, very, where it's like you were on a ride so. before the movie even started, you know? Right. The ride yeah. being that they put, they even shoot the trailer like there's this thing and it's gonna come at night and it's not good for people. You know yeah. I mean? Like, exactly. it's, a, it's, a kinda, like it's a monster movie or something yeah. like that, you know? And They did um, frame it that way, yes, in the trailers, but... And I don't know if we want to spoil, I don't know how much we want to spoil or whatever, but well, we like... Just, I, I think thematically we can just say that, that, we're not gonna say what the monster is or if it exists or whatever, but like the 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 movie leads you that way too, the trailers. Yeah, yeah. The same route of the trailers, where the trailers were like, it's a monster movie, trust me. The movie is telling you this is a monster movie, trust me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But then, then really the focus of the movie ends up being paranoia and what how it impacts people in a pandemic but and stuff. you are paranoid too, like because yeah. you're paranoid about the thing coming at night and this movie teeing up this thing to come at night, you know? So it's like, is this the moment the thing comes at night? And it's like, that is not the forefront of what that movie is about. You know, there's other yeah. things going on in that movie that, like, because of that manufactured paranoia that starts with the thing coming at night, it seeps into all the other facets of this movie where right. suddenly you don't trust anybody in this movie. You don't trust anything that's going on. You don't trust the rules. Even, you don't I'm pretty sure the, the family even started turning on each other, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Not, like not violently, but, like, they were just kind of like, they don't trust each away other, from me you know what I mean? Like yeah. That. Like, yeah it's, they... it's, it's like there starts to be this discourse in the house because, right. again, it's like, a you know, everyone's trying to survive this, like, post-apocalypse or whatever. 
where maybe some kind of disease happened that kills people pretty pretty good like yeah i took it as like just a pandemic kind of yeah it was so in a way this was kind of like but like in in ways like it's seems this a but... zombie movie is this like yeah. a month like it's just like you don't know and you not knowing it's always in your head and the movie wants you to be in that space where you're right. just kind of paranoid and on edge and i think that that's the thing that's lost on a bunch of people Right. Because again, like that, that paranoia started the moment the trailers did. So right. you saw the trailer, and it's one of the very, it's one of the only movies in history that I'm like, make sure you watch the trailer before you watch the movie. <laughs> right, me too. Uh, because it's part of the or experience. Or even look you know? at the poster because it's just a dog barking at the darkness, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is that? Yeah, you know, what's it like, barking at? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. coming. You know, it's just, it's. I think it's genius, and yeah, it's, if, if people are saying it's the most uh, uh, worst marketed movie of all time, you missed the point for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, misunderstood completely. It totally fits the definition for me. Uh, yeah. What's another one of yours? Maybe uh, this was on a short list for you, or maybe it's in, it was in your mind at some point or whatever, but it was uh, 2020's Tenet. You oh, guys. It, it was at one point, yes. Yeah. You guys, you, you either slept on this movie or you were, <laughs> uh, what did we call it earlier? Uh, distraught watching or whatever during 2020. Yeah. We were all just kind of like, oh, I don't Let's just, let's just put something on and, and turn off the noise for a little bit in the world. Um, I don't know what happened, but like when I talk to people about that movie, and it's a complicated movie, you it know is, what I mean? Like it's, so. and I think it's supposed to be, but like you can still take away like how well it's shot and how well how well the ideas are executed on and how well the special effects are, especially when things start moving in like a reverse non-reverse mode. Oh or my whatever. god, dude! Unreal. <laughs> Uh, it's totally unreal. Uh, there's so many cool things about this movie. Uh, and yeah, like this is a movie that like when you're done, like it's gonna it's asking you, yeah, you might want to go online and do a little homework, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone's got an infograph out there that's gonna paint this in a way that like maybe puts all the puzzle pieces in your right. head. Similar but to people don't like that. People don't like after on it. For, exactly. For people don't like after credit homework, you know what I mean? A lot of, yeah. a lot of people aren't interested in a second uh, uh, second experience post movie, you know. Um, and that's fine or whatever. Uh, but there are so many good things about this movie. Uh, deep down at its core, there's a there's a bromance going on, you know, between Patterson and and uh, and the protagonist and uh, 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 Denzel. Jo- uh, what's that guy? David. Yeah, Washington. John David Washington. Yeah. John David Washington. You know, like there's a lot of chemistry with them. Like uh, the idea of them having some kind of across time friendship and stuff like that. I don't want to go too into spoilers and everything. Like there's a real cool dynamic going on there that yeah. like uh has a pretty good kinda, payoff kind of sense the familiarity in the first interaction when you watch the movie back for sure yeah absolutely yeah by the way it's great second third fourth rewatch because you're just like oh, yep. oh 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 and like oh, it's inception yeah. guys you know like no one walked yeah. out of inception going like i know exactly what happened in that movie yeah uh you know it took some years upon it there is a obviously we all kind of know the general template of everything but a lot of people have a different interpretation of how that ends and like while this movie has less to interpret and more digging to do i would say um it, it's worth digging for and even if you don't want to do the the after uh, uh credits homework or whatever watching it again things just get really clear with that movie they really do uh, and in a way that like it's kind of more enjoyable on that second watch because yeah. like you kind of know what to expect you kind of know all the twists and turns and everything like that so that second watch Oh, it's calmer. You know, I wasn't trying to like, okay, so what's this mean? And uh, temporal pincer, what is that? You know, like you're you're not you're not worried about all the lingo that's yeah. already there for you. So it's like it was a calmer second watch for me in a way that like really elevated that. Dude, movie my up. my brain was spazzing out hard that first time I saw it. Uh, and they were explaining the temporal pincer, and I was like, <sighs> I just need to, I just need to see the scene. Just show me the scene already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad it's color coded too. That was really smart. You know? <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> Uh, uh, was, but just another movie cool. that I think people were just like, 
oh, it's another exposition heavy bullshit fest from Christopher Nolan. Like people are turning on Nolan all of a sudden. Like Dunkirk was uh, everyone loved Dunkirk, and suddenly like now everyone's back to like, oh, he's up to his same old tricks of explaining things to an audience ad nauseum. I'm just like. You guys, he has pretty high concept ideas going on. Movie has to stop and explain it to you sometimes. It's gonna it just has to. to. Yeah. It, it has to, you know. So it's like I, I've never minded the uh, kind of long exposition, uh, expositionatory stuff that even like Interstellar and stuff like that has. You know, it's just kind of like, like uh, just kind of his style. I would, you know? I would, ex- I would call the polar opposite of that. Anything Reffin does is like because he yeah. has big concept ideas too in terms of like what his stories stand for yes. and stuff. But he's using way less. He's using way like, less to for explain sure. it. And uh, his movies are way less appreciated, you know, because right, yeah. it's, it's the barrier there, the, you know, is is higher, you know. Um, Definitely. I'm just saying you're lesser people if you don't like these movies, guys. That's what yeah, I'm, I'm saying. saying. I'm just Lower saying you're, brain you're frequency. Yeah. No, and please no, turn no, this no. off if you don't. No, terrible. no, no. I, I totally I totally get that some of these movies are just like, oh, I, I didn't misunderstand. I just don't like it. Hey, man, I get it, you know. But I, from a mass, you know, when we're talking about the masses and what you and I have seen in the media, conversations we've had with people online, Oh, all over the years and stuff like that. Like you could yeah. easily say all, you know, five of these movies between the two of us uh, that we brought, like are are good definitions of what that means to be a misunderstood yeah. movie. Again, yeah. we're not telling you you have to go out and rewatch the Matrix Resurrections and love it. Like no one's saying that. <laughs> no, you know? no, no. Like uh, you, you've had your time. Don't. You're not going to like that movie. These are definitely personal rewatch, picks. Yeah. That's why it's like pick five. It's, we're picking um, our own five. You know, just in in, in, in terms of what five. these. Yeah. Right. But in terms of what these movies were saying and, and, and showing and stuff like that, it just um, it, it spoke out to us in ways and many other people. You know, we're not we're not alone in some of these picks uh, uh, in ways that maybe uh, your your average Joe moviegoer just it just misses the mark on. Um, mm-hmm. And that's OK. You know, we're yeah. all appreciating things on different levels and that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it happens, guys. <laughs> um, so uh, my last one, because we already had two in common. So, um, oh yeah, what was your last one? Yeah, uh, my last one is uh, it's another modern one, and I remember getting really worked up about this on uh, social media when I was seeing all the uh, the the hate on it, and then it lost Best Picture, and that's when the hate kind of cooled off. But yeah, it's La La Land. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, to there this was... day, I still like I have to gauge the room before I go. I'm a La La Land fan because I don't want to <laughs> deal with like. The backlash yeah. that that causes, oh, you know, a white guy doing jazz. Of course, jazz. you're like a white guy move, you know, yeah, white <laughs> Hollywood singing, every, all these white people singing on their car. Like, uh, okay, um, no, I mean, no, yeah, th- that opening number is a very diverse group of people deliberately because it's 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 supposed to show you that it's a melting pot of people from all over the country and the world that came there to pursue their dreams. For better or worse, and a lot of them are just kind of settled. Like one of them was a mother. Another person is like clearly down on his luck in a in like a, a used car and like mm-hmm. making ends meet and stuff like that. Like everybody is just coming together to try and pursue their dreams, for better or worse. Uh, I love that opening number so much. Even though I love that, I love that whole movie. Traffic, I think that movie is fantastic. They shot it. I love, I love it. Um, but yeah, there's this whole sentiment of Ryan Gosling, uh, his character at least is so obnoxious because he's explaining he's white explaining jazz to uh uh whatever mia um and i'm like he's explaining what jazz means to him to somebody who was known knows nothing about jazz yeah and yeah I, and i know like so many people that play jazz like personally as a musician uh and i dabble um we're, I mean, everybody's allowed to play whatever genre of music makes them happy and fulfills them like i mean i'm yeah. sorry I, i'm sorry if that's if that's like, 
I don't know, considered offensive to some people or something. I know I'm I really of, hope not. I feel like I'm tiptoeing a little bit, but like it's just kind of messed up that you you're not allowed to play certain music or whatever. It's and I know that that discrimination has existed well before white people were playing that music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, I understand the history behind it, but uh, yeah. uh but yeah, in the sense in the context of the movie when he's explaining jazz to her it's coming from somebody who is a jazz musician and it is like the most important thing in the world to him. And he's explaining it to somebody who just said, I don't like jazz. So, I mean, that's really it. It's not meant to be like, I'm the best person to explain this to you. Uh, he, he's not saying these people on stage don't matter. He's saying, this is what it means to me, the person that's, yeah. um, and then there's another aspect of it where, um, people construe, uh, what's his name? I think his name is Keith in the movie, but John Legend, his, his, okay. his role. They are perceiving him to be written as a bad guy in the movie, and I've never taken him that way. Yeah, um, I don't, this, I don't this, see it that way. Everything he has said to Ryan Gosling's character, Seb, I'll just call him Seb now. Um, everything he said to Sebastian was true. He he, And that's why Sebastian just sat there in silence and took it whenever he uh, they, they did their first rehearsal. And Sebastian's just sitting there. He's just kind of like surprised at the direction of the music. Um, cause it's jazz, but there's like hip hop and shit in there. So he's kind of like thrown a little bit. Uh, and he's like, I know it's different. And, and he's like, you always talk about how you want to save jazz, but you can't, you can't be a revolutionist if you're such a traditionalist. Like, yeah. And that's such a great line because that is accurate to a T that's Sebastian. Like he refuses to evolve the music, the, the genre to make it more appealing to the masses. He refuses. He's like, no, we're going to do it the old school way that they did in like black and white movies and shit like that. Like we're going to do it that way. Um, so, I mean, I think people perceive or think that the script was written to have John Legend's character be a bad guy. And I've never taken it that way. I've always thought of his, uh, sure. His, his, his band does cause a wedge in the relationship and whatnot. Um, but I've never taken any of the words that he said as like, oh, this is a bad guy saying bad guy things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've found him to be one, give the most accurate assessment of Sebastian's character in the entire movie. Like, right. Yep, that's him to it. He's stubborn as hell. He's a pain in the ass, like he said. Like, yeah. So people just have this misread on the movie completely just to shit on it because it was, it was high and mighty for quite a bit there until, you know, it, uh, in dramatic fashion, lost best picture. <laughs> because of a mix-up between old people. What a flub. <laughs> yeah, I, <don't> know. <laughs> I think this will be a Jimmy Kimmel's first time hosting again since then, uh, this yeah. year. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, do you have any others? Uh, no, that was that was, that was was my five. Cool. I'm just going to recap uh, America's pick five, I guess, for the... Uh, this is just a weekend box office. Not mm -hmm. that it ever changes throughout the week, but uh, number five was A Man Called Otto, Holding Strong, Tom Hanks. Good for you, man. Uh, number four is Missing. I talked about that on the Current Gen podcast. I really, yeah, really like that movie. Like that one, yeah. um, Megan, Mithrigan, uh was at number Mithrigan. three, which is yeah. perfect. And it actually gained... It actually gained money? Is that That's right? insane. That, that movie is Change insane to me. Like, the fact I know, that it's, it's doing so well as a January horror movie. Like, yeah. It's so, <laughs> I'm like, this, like, none of this makes sense to me. Speaking of not making sense, number two is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. This one is just gaining so much steam. Have you seen that this is one of the highest rated movies from last year on Letterboxd? No. Like, the rating just keeps going up the more people see it. Um, because this movie is really good, but it's just like, 
Is it that good? I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that, dude. I don't know about that, dude. Um, but yeah, number one is uh, that, that stupid James Cameron water movie. Who cares? Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's this week. I heard they're going to be fired for... in the next movie. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. And then they're going to bring in uh, whatever. I can't think of a character's name from the show. Uh... <laughs> no, it's supposed to be a fart. I don't give a shit about any of that. That was our Raz. That was our Raz of the week. We're allowed one. Next week it'll be Snyder. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, yep. You see those rebel? You see those rebel moon picks, guys? <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> oh man. Um. So thanks for listening. If you listen this long for uh, the current cinema podcast, I said outright my mission was to do an hour long episode. We gotta find our group. We'll find it. Whatever. It's early in the run, and the only people that'll give me the most crap for it are our current gen co-hosts. Yeah, so, other, other not. No, 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 but I, I think that we can get it there. I, I think it's just about structuring. Yeah. And, you know, and it didn't help that the Oscar nominations literally came out today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those just, are big. If you're having a movie contest, a rants, I feel like yeah. you have to talk about Best Picture nominees. Right. And then I'll have Oscar. more Sundance stuff to say next week, so there's more yeah. of that, too. Uh, more extra news-related crap to pile on to our mm-hmm. already long conversations. But I love talking about movies with you, man, so I appreciate you Same. doing this. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, get some more people on here at some point, uh, whether they're from current gen or I know plenty of people in my life that want to talk movies with me, like on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's one guy who's like, we're kind of like Siskel and Ebert a little bit online where we just argue with each other mm-hmm. incessantly about movies. Um, and he really wants to podcast with me because he wants, <laughs> wants everybody to see how deeply we argue. We argue so hard. Um, I'll, I'll be a fly on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys just have at it. <laughs> well, you love, he loves the hell out of Pacific Rim, and I know you did too. Yeah, that's, I enjoy it. Yeah. That's I mean, our main thing. We used to work together, and back and forth, we would just be like, You're wrong. We'd no, speak you're, off wrong. you're wrong. You're, yeah. Yeah. We'd just make off any comments to each other about like how Pacific Rim sucked, and he's like, Oh, and then he'd say something about a movie I like that, uh, that he thinks sucked or whatever. It's just that kind sure. of fun. Back. You can't get take digs at the darlings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I did change my personal Twitter account to the podcast because I don't really use that for music anymore. I don't really want to use Twitter for that. I just want to use it to blurt out movie shit. Um, but if you want to follow us, you can. Current underscore cinema is the, I think that's the Twitter name. Um, but yeah, please, if you're listening to us on YouTube or uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever else they are, Stitcher. We're on all the places now as our own separate feed. So please subscribe to us. We'll only be on uh, the current gen podcast feeds for like an episode or two more. Um, And then we'll just solely, as far as just the podcast feed, we'll solely be on our own feed for that. Um, YouTube wise, I think we're just going to stay on the channel. Yeah. Um, Because that's fine. We put Chocobo Central there. We put other stuff there. We're going to That's where all of our current current stuff is. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The current. Current branded. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I, I didn't even introduce us at the top, but I'm Jeff and he's Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and and I don't care. So I don't, yeah, who cares? Good night and good fight. <laughs> <laughs>